Oh, big fella. Merry Christmas. Oh, ho, ho, ho. It's not quite Christmas yet, but it's probably going to be the last show we do before Christmas. It might well be. Pretty yeah. dark lows, though. But uh, hello, everybody. How you doing, people? Um, yeah, welcome to episode 16. Just to warn you, I think Garrett's been on the source before we <laughs> the show, so it could be all over the place. Well, I was going to say, wasn't that I was on the source? Anyway, yeah, again, welcome to episode 16 yeah. of the uh, Punch Drunk Boxing Co- Podcast, the world's greatest comedy boxing Indeed, podcast. but uh, the reason I'm so chipper, on the way up to the uh, Punch Drunk Boxing Studios, yeah. I spent an hour listening to a mixture of Peter Cetera, and the, super, oh, the guy from Chicago, the lead singer of Chicago. I've never seen that. Crikey 2 soundtrack, The Glory of Love, I do uh, that before no, that. No. Uh, if you don't love him, you'll love the Superstars of Country album. Yes! That's probably would be my worst album ever. It's. It might just be. That's possibly the greatest thing that happened no, in the no, last no, five no, years. No, no. I'm not going to do a show about you talking about country music. We're stuck in this <laughs> If you don't nip it in the bar, right? Nip it in the bar. Right. If you thought you were happy because of that, wait till I've got a Christmas present for you. Hey! Do you, do you want it now? Yeah, absolutely. Let right, hold on. I'll get it. There you go. Oh, it's in the bag. Yeah, hold on. I'll get it out. Hey! <laughs> there you go, mate. Here's a can of lager for you. Is that the finest of uh, Spanish breweries? Yeah. I think no, Mexican don't worry. Spanish. No, it's Spanish. San Miguel, mate, is, is Spanish. Don't worry, I've got one for myself. And oh, I've, got a load, go. I've got a load more down in there. <laughs> oh. um, well, ho, ho, ho. Oh, it's just as well you haven't actually been drinking beforehand, because this show would be all over the place. It would be. As it is. Not what you're uh, like. Again. And uh, in all honesty, I do actually have some Christmas presents for you. Oh, they have been delivered. Do you want to know what they are? Yeah, yeah, later on. All right. Number one, mm. I've got two. Number one is uh, the Audley Harrison autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 hold up. Has he got the autobiography? That's what I was thinking. Does <laughs> A Force? I couldn't believe when I found it. I was like, I didn't even know he'd written one. If, if, if there was a camera in the room, I'd hug you right now. <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon, right? It can't be, I mean, I got it online. It can't be more than 20 pages. <laughs> it's going to be a quick read. The man's got the most exciting, dynamic career that any boxer's had in the last, I'd say, 150 years. Yeah. Well, num- number years. two, and this one's a bit better. It's, it's a lot better. All right. It might be one of the best presents you could get. It's a um, it's a Team Fury, Tyson Fury <sighs> boxing T-shirt. Yes, yes, damn yes, right. Yes. <laughs> Give me some. Um... <laughs> Got it online off the Tyson Fury official official Facebook uh, page. Started off, I bought. I thought, right, I'm buying you. Bought you one. Yeah. Whoever runs, whoever runs the account and was doing it, came right back. He goes, I'll tell you what, I'll do your deal. I'll get you two more at half prices, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, I'll throw it all in with just one postage packaging. I looked. I thought, do I need three? Tyson Fury T-shirts. That'll work well into the news because when we go to. Needless, when, needless to say, I got three. <laughs> like, you're damn right. One for you, one for me, and then I'll keep one for um, oh, special occasions. Like might give away a surprise on the show. It has something on the back as well. I can't remember what it is exactly, but it's got the Irish flag, the Union Jack, a nice big green shamrock, Team Fury. Boom. That sounds absolutely fantastic. <laughs> we'll That's we'll cool, get man. some pictures. That's excellent. I'm going to wear mine out in India. <laughs> Both of them. Oh, yeah. In case, uh, for, anyway, yeah, for any... Um, Welcome all the uh, regular listeners and anyone uh, new listening. But, um, yeah, just so everyone knows, this might be the last show for a while because uh, Richard is heading, travelling around the world. Well, India, but, yeah. All the way to uh, the other side of the planet. And he's gone there for, was it, like two months? Seven yeah, weeks? Yeah, 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 right, yeah. So uh, the show might be on hiatus unless 
No, we've got, I'll tell you this now, back on the show today, we've got Roberto Duran. Hey. the show, he's back on. He's got another him. letter. I've missed him as well. And I was, I, he hasn't come back to me yet, but I said, does he want to fill in? He can come over to the Punch Drunk Boxing Studios. That would be. And just you and him do the show. Oh, you'd love a bit of San Miguel. Ah, <laughs> oh, mate, you, I don't know if there's enough, I don't know if there's, they've got stock levels high enough for, for Roberto <laughs> to... For two months, that'd be absolutely fantastic. But um, anyway, yeah. So welcome to all uh, everyone uh, listening. Should we crack on with the? I think so. It's yeah, been enough. Presents, I have to say they are, but it's enough nonsense. People want to hear about the busy Prop, boxing say, fights. Proper nonsense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the proper stuff. All right, come on. Let's crack on with the show. Right, we're into the uh, general uh, kind of news and nonsense part of the show. Yeah. Before we go on, do you mind if I do like a one bit of country? Yes! Just a little bit. No. Uh, it's really good. It's only short though. No, listen, I warn you now, if you do any country, any any country singing music at any point in this podcast, I'm starting the whole thing. <laughs> so it's starting from scratch. So, and we'll be here all night. All right, all right okay. I'll be yeah. subtle about it. I'll throw it in. Well, if you uh, can be subtle and I don't realise, then... Okay, yeah, then, that's all right. Then... All right, shall we cry a bit of... Um, uh, news and nonsense. So, what's the first that we, uh, bit that we have? That I uh, might as well start off properly, I guess. That uh, Nathan Cleverly, uh, his back injury has uh, delayed his... He was supposed to be fighting uh, some guy whose name I can't remember, but he, uh, the opponent hadn't knocked anyone out, which is the reason... That's a good thing about this show. You always get all the best facts. Details. Details, that's it. But uh, Cleverly had stepped up to Cruiserweight, and he was supposed to be fighting a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, yeah, sadly, it's pulled uh, out. Yeah. So, uh, oh, so... Um... Delayed uh, David, David Price, he's had to pull out of his fight he due to a, a virus. Oh, he's given in his, uh, the uh, British belts that he had. Yeah. Yeah, which is a bit sad for him, I suppose. But um, I don't know if it's like one of those proper rebuilding exercises. And you that can't kind of fight to... if you've got the flu or a virus, can you? Uh, it doesn't help. No. No, sadly. But um, what else came up on the news? That uh, David Hay, last, uh, it must have been like on the last show, we're talking about him again getting his injury, sadly. Oh, and uh, yeah. you said that... Listen, although he had the injury, maybe he kind of did it on purpose. So he cancelled the Fury fight. He found out that uh, uh, one of the Klitschko's wants to have, like, one last fight. Vitaly wants to have yeah. one last fight before he retires. And you said on the show, oh, it's a bit like a... Maybe like a bit of a conspiracy that he's turning the Fury thing and he's going to aim for, like, the big yeah. money payday in the future. Turns out that might well be exactly yeah. the case. <laughs> it's outrageous. He's done I mean, it far it's... too many times in the past. That's like, how many times has he pulled out over fights? So many times. Mainly through injury, like though. He eight or like nine. Bacon. Yeah, well, you say that. He pulled out the Char fight, and then uh, he pulled out that because he, he knew he could get the Tyson Fury, and then he's pulled out the Tyson Fury because he can get to Vitaly. Luckily for <clears throat> Klitschko, there's nobody above him because he'd probably fucking <laughs> pull out of that as well. I guess the sad thing is that... Uh... The amount of money that he would have earned from the Fury fight, they were talking like maybe eight million quid each, which is huge. That's a massive yeah, amount of money. It would have been such a huge payday for Tyson. He Fury. must be able to get more off of uh, off a Klitschko, obviously, and he gets to have a chance at the belts. Aiming for the big dream. And I think he he may well stand more of a chance. And I, the other thing is, if he loses to a Klitschko, there's no real shame in that. They're, they're some of the best heavyweight boxers of this era, whereas Tyson Fury has a lot of critics, unjustly so, I might add. Well, <laughs> now, now we've got Team Fury T-shirts. <laughs> mate, I've, I've, made, I've picked my side, and I'm <laughs> fucking sticking with it till I'm dead, mate. Uh, what's the other one? But, no, if, if he loses, there'll be... The, he, he faces ridicule because he's always come out and said Fury's rubbish, blah, blah, all of this, and he's been highly critical of him and thinks he's far better. And I think he's suddenly realised, oh, shit, actually, I'm probably 
I may well not be able to fucking win this fight. Oh, I, I don't. I mean, there's a good chance he... He, he definitely would he, win. He had a puncher's chance, I'll give him that. <laughs> uh, what the other... Uh, is, Tyson gets back up. If he goes down, <laughs> he gets back up and he'll hit you twice as hard. <laughs> there's another bit of uh, UK boxing news. But uh, Amir Khan, apparently this could be uh, Sports Illustrated, um, announced this about a week ago, that uh, apparently they... The big, well, the biggest fight he can have in his career basically is him going to be coming up against uh, Floyd Mayweather, and uh, apparently it's basically like a done deal. I Don know, deal. I heard well, this done deal, and um, yeah, it's going to be announced sometime in the next before Christmas, basically. Couple of weeks, yeah, I got that from my sources as well for May next year. I'm... Which any, what do you think? Does well, he stand a chance? Because I say yes. Well, I, say I do. I do. I think he stands. The I would, I would like to see the fight just simply because I think stars make fight fights mm. and. I think Khan genuinely the one area where I think you stand a chance I to get to Mayweather is speed. Absolutely. I if you ask me who I think is going to win it'd be Mayweather 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 but it will still be interesting. I still I think I think Khan stands a good chance to actually box on the outside, use his speed and not engage whereas every other fighter who's fought Mayweather has had to almost I've got to go at him. I've got to attack him. I Recently, not... the, it's been a long time since Mayweather's had to take a fight to another... To another level, step yeah. it up. Yeah. Well, no, not to another level, necessarily, but take the fight to the opponent. It's normally the guy's coming on at him and he just he uses that incredible defence, fucking perfect timing. I can punching. absolutely see it being even after, like, six rounds, and then seventh round, Amir Khan getting <laughs> right in his chin and going <laughs> over. But for those first six rounds, that'll be fantastic. There's yeah, one thing about Mayweather yeah. that... American is exceptional in one sense that he's got exceptional footwork and he's got exceptional speed. And if you're going to beat someone who's like a living kind of legend, you need something exceptional about you. Even yeah, if you've got like a I'll tell you what I can see. I can matter. see the speed causing Mayweather a lot of problems for like the first half of the fight or first four or five rounds and then slowly him just adjusting and finding a style that can't yeah. just can't really work <laughs> out and can't get frustrated at the change in the pace. But so exciting and while that while yeah, that happens. Yeah, I, I think I think there'll be an early part of the fight, you're like, oh shit, actually, do you know what? He's he's caught him over with a lot of problems. I still think Mayweather will get the job done. He's yeah. just too good. Uh, what else came up that uh, Oh I just oh. while we're on the topic of that, um yeah. I, I I heard that same source, but having said that, apparently the WBC have pushed Pacquiao up to number one position in their rankings, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'd heard that he was like number fourteenth before the Rios win. He was all the way down there, and suddenly they're like, "Bang, right, you're number one position." <laughs> and it's thought, was, that, sorry, was that the WBC? Yeah, the Jose Suleiman is shady yeah, business. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and to use a phrase you like, murky waters. <laughs> <laughs> Of the uh, WBC, but yeah. Anyway, it's thought obviously that this is an attempt because Floyd is the WBC title holder. It's thought that that it's just a way of forcing Floyd into having a fight with Manny Pacquiao. But if I know Floyd, and I think I do, he'd rather just vacate the title than. I say, I think you know him better than anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> I've spoken to him, haven't I? Oh well, yeah, got he, mutual mutual respect. For yeah, he wasn't big. He wasn't a big fan of you when he oh, called no. into the show. <laughs> oh no, he didn't. What was it he called me? Uh, uh, a jack of all trades, a master of nothing. Yeah. I think was his exact words. If he does fight in the UK, oh, no, I guess that fight would be in Vegas. I was going to say, if he does fight in the UK, we're going to Apparently, that. I heard Team that there's Fury a good... T-shirts. Oh yeah, a blaze. Apparently, there's a real good chance that um, he uh, the fight might be done in the UK. I heard for for money reasons, tax reasons. Apparently, it will be lucrative. Mayweather's always liked the British boxing public. It's all about class, style, yeah. mm-hmm. ability. Uh, while it came up, uh, there was something else that um, <laughs> Kel Brook 
he is going to have a very, very Merry Christmas. And the reason is that Devin Alexander fought just last weekend. Yeah. Shock defeats. We lost his uh, title. Well, wait, oh, title yeah. Against, uh, Sean Porter. Porter, who, up to this, that was his first 12-round fight. So, maybe this is partly the reason that Alexander took it. Before that, Porter had only fought like 10-rounders. And uh, all unanimous decisions. So, he wasn't knocking anyone out. Alexander comes in, definitely thinks this is, I'll just take this guy out and move on to better things. Anyway, loses it. Shock decision. Not a shock. Uh, shock upset. It was an upset. But uh, not like a, it wasn't the wrong decision in the fight. No. But uh, anyway, Kel Brook is going to be Porter's mandatory challenge for that belt. That's like the one thing Kel Brook has been waiting for is to yeah. get himself a title shot. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. I think he's. I reckon he'll take that. Boom. He will absolutely run in and take it. They but, reckon um, that. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I saw Alexander. He just didn't look. He didn't look himself. He didn't look right. It's almost like he didn't motivate him. So he he assumed he was already looking at the next opponent. And as mm-hmm. we know, that is a big mistake to do in boxing. Absolutely. Um, but yeah. Um, oh, also while we're on the topic of. Um, Fighter Shane Mosley's announced his retirement following a loss to Anthony Mundine. Oh, Something Aus- that we're going to look at later on in the show yeah. in a bit more detail. The Australian Anthony Mundine. Yeah. Which, uh, <laughs> as segues go, this one's an absolute beauty. Do you want to hear a couple of... Honestly, like, during the week, or the last couple of weeks, I'm just going to go online and do oh, yeah, research yeah, for... Oh, yeah, yeah, Trying I mean, to think of, like... I mean, not much, but a bit. Not a huge amount, but we do like, bits and pieces. Yeah. At least I spent, you know, go on the weekend, Saturday morning, bang, straight on, doing a yeah. bit of research. Yeah. Anyway, do you want to hear a couple of uh, kangaroo fighting men stories? So, I was going online, and actually typing kind of nonsense into the internet. What did I talk... I typed in... I typed in Proper naughty geezer boxing in Google. <laughs> I spent like an hour and a half just looking up stuff. Oh, and, uh, you spend all day looking at that on YouTube. I just at the comments, I reckon. All the listeners at home, type again. Just type proper naughty geezer boxing. I reckon you could you could uh, you could put that that phrase in front of any word, mm. and it, you'd get some gold shit. Like I say, proper my... naughty geezer in front of. Go and pick any other word. Sebastian. <laughs> All right, you, you dumped me there. You proved my theory wrong. <laughs> Go on. All right, so there's an Australian rules football player. Big, you know, they're all like big, tough guys. It's like gated football, except for more punch. Oh, yeah. And um, basically, he was found unconscious on the side of the street. And like a passing motorist just happened to be going by. And uh, it's all this guy. So he's like dazed, like his face is all kind of masked up. He's got like yeah. a black eye. And the guy runs over to him and says, Oh, he was almost like left uh, unconscious. And the guy comes over and just goes, Oh my God, what, what happened? Turns out he was walking, literally, just walking down this, like, in the suburbs of Sydney. He was walking down the road by himself. He just chanced upon, like, a moody kangaroo. Literally, one just happened to be hopping down, like, the side street. He said, listen, I didn't taunt it. I didn't say nothing. I was just walking down. All he hears is this hoppity, hoppity behind him. Turns out that this beast just, oops, lamps him. Like, straight in the face. Knocks him to the ground. <laughs> they asked him later on, mate, did you, did you try and fight back? His quote was... I'll try and do this in Australian accent. I'll turn around, and before I knew it, it took a swap on my face. <laughs> Smacked him right to the ground. Just left him in a bloody pile. Hopped off I'm, into the I'm late I'm sorry darkness. to interrupt you there, but that sounds a little bit like a pissed guy <laughs> who's fallen over, walked into a lamppost. He's like, oh, shit, this is a bit embarrassing. Oh, yeah, no, mate, a kangaroo came up and took a swipe at me. All right, to prove that this isn't uh, just a drunken guy making up stuff, Right, the moral of this story is really like kangaroos, yeah, they're on the prowl, they're on the streets, attacking no, just no, random no, no, people. No, you're getting confused with... This is in the same week, yeah? So this is a story from a guy called, what's his name? He's got a great name. Uh, B. Etlin. Beat Etlin. B-E-A-T, oh, it Etlin. Like a, sounds like an old jazz oh, he's trumpeteer. A proper, he's a proper Australian geese. Is trumpeteer a word? 
Anyway, he heard that uh, he's lying in bed with uh, the wife. He said he heard. It was like he heard. Here's like the smashing of a window, and he said all he saw was so he's lying in bed and he just sees what he described as a dark intruder, and he was just like, oh my god, doesn't know what this is. The dark intruder came in through the bedroom window and just started jumping up and down on the bed. So he's there with the wife and just like absolutely terrified. In his own words, oh, basically he finds out that it's a kangaroo. But in his own words, the way he described it, to like the Sydney Herald, was. Again, my final Australian accent. My initial thought was, because I was only half awake, it's a lunatic ninja coming through the window. <laughs> a lunatic ninja coming through the window. He's a, like a 42-year-old father of two kids. So he's lying in bed. He said he pulled the covers up between him and the wife. And this kangaroo was just like bouncing up and down, going frantic, knocking, knocking shit over. Kangaroo then decides to uh, run in. He runs out of the bedroom. Runs into they have a ten-year-old son in the house. Runs into the ten-year-old kid's room again. Starts like jumping up and down the bed. The kid screamed out. And this is quote: "There's a room in my room." You oh, don't want that. That's that's the last thing you need. Etlin says, "I thought at this stage, I thought this could be really dangerous." What did he do? Like any again, this is how our proper Australian. One is how a proper Australian fights. He sneaks up behind it, and this thing is like a hundred pounds. Sneaks up behind it, grabs it around the headlock, drags it out of the bedroom, drags it downstairs, drags it to the front door, kicks it in the arse, and sends it into the street. See, I mean, I'm sorry, that is even more far fetched right. than the first one. I'll tell you what happened. Oh, wait, do, you no, no. Read, do you want to read that last quote? Of, uh, I will. What he said before he kicked Rack it. off room. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that in my, I'll tell you what has happened there. For you, all you listeners, <clears throat> what's happened is this B. Etland, he's gone out, he's had a few too many down the pub. <laughs> he's got right old riled up and he's. He's been upset about it. He's come back, he's smashed up his plate, <laughs> head by the window, kicked over a load of stuff, and he's realised the next morning it's very hard to claim on the insurance when you say, <laughs> I, just, I just had a few too many and got a bit leery and smashed up a few windows. That doesn't work. So you've got to concoct some nonsense story about a kangaroo jumping on your bed. Absolute bollocks. You should you should go to drink with Freddie Roach, mate. <laughs> Lunatic Ninja. Love that. I did like them, though. Very good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Enjoyed those stories. Still don't believe them. Um, so what else What else we got? Well, I'll tell you what I've got. Um, and this is good. Uh, Del Boy. Del Boy, Derek Chisora. Love him. One of our favourites. Him and Tyson Fury. Love them both and, like brothers. And B-Hop. They're probably my three, three top characters in the world of boxing, I'd say. Can I go on a side tangent for oh, just one second? Go on, then. Right. <laughs> I was listening to... Uh, I read this article online. It's talking about the growth of the UFC and then, like, the decline of boxing. And this guy comes on and says, listen, what's going to happen in the UFC in the next like uh, five or ten years is that because it's so big now and because it's so corporate you have the guys who kind of get to the top or they used to wrestle in high school and then they've come in but it's all very clean and safe in the sense that you've got big strong guys but you don't really have lunatics out there you yeah, don't really have like yeah, crazy yeah. people and his point was in the kind of early 90s when they had mixed martial arts it was more fun and more exciting because guys at that stage would just jack up on steroids and just get in and just you literally ah. just have like the toughest guy in the bar and say oh, I could do MMA and walk into the ring and just start hammering people yeah you'd and, get those street fights wouldn't you like that Kimbo Slice yeah people like that who just would have a fight in somebody's garden <laughs> another yeah. guy from down the real, street yeah real proper characters just coming in just a tough guy from the neighbourhood <laughs> and he said that uh, well boxing because boxing can never be that way you can never have one governing body because there's so many belts yeah and he says 
that's bad in one way, because obviously you don't have, like, the best fighters fighting the best fighters. On the other hand, you do have guys just down, like, the local gym who absolutely are convinced, oh, I'm just a deaf oak and beat everyone. <laughs> I'm a hard nut. Like, yeah, yeah. That type of attitude. I say, because of that, boxing will has more interesting characters. Because oh, it's so easier to have, like, a crazy yeah, yeah, person yeah. if you don't work for a company who could fire yeah. you. I thought, yeah, that's... Yeah, maybe boxing will last for the next thousand years. Fucking simply it. for that reason. You can't have... That and also this show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to pass it on to somebody. Pass on the... What do you call it? The baton. Oh, from one to one. <coughs> yeah. Um, well, I like the theory. Though. Anyway, no, that's, that's good. That's a good point. Dale Boy, right. He's been starting up a charity campaign recently to raise money for the Help the Heroes for Christmas. Nice. He said, and uh, I think this is pretty much quite, he said he'd like to be able to raise enough money so he can hire a couple of strippers <laughs> to send over there so they can hang out with the Help the Heroes. He's a good boy. old Del Boy. He's always looking out for the, for the boys, isn't he? Get a couple of strippers. There you go, love. Go over there and hang out with the lads. Hang out with... Just five thousand angry men who haven't seen a woman in two years. Yeah, they'll be all right. (laughs) Delboy can go over there and act as their chaperone. Um, But anyway, yeah, help the heroes, which I think is some sort of military charity. Uh, Go to delboychazora.com for more info. I I am absolutely. Um, (laughs) And Delboy also said he'll be running down Oxford Street, butt naked, with a balaclava on his on his head to help raise money. That is single-handedly yep. great study. <laughs> and he said uh, he hopes it's not too cold. Otherwise, and uh, yeah, I think this is actually a quote. He said, <laughs> I'll be in trouble if it's really cold because my balls might go back up into my stomach. Well. Well, don't worry, Del Boy. We'll all understand. <laughs> it is cold. Have you seen that fog that's coming out? No, Very cold. Very cold. Don't do it yet, Del Boy. Just wait. Yeah. Wait for the summertime. Go into a steam room and then... Break out and just take off. <laughs> Why would he have a balaclava on his head? That oh, makes no sense. Just so that nobody will suspect it's him, but we'll never know for sure. <laughs> um, I've also got, got any shrunken balls. And I've also got a good. I found a, a good letter. A Del Boy wrote a letter to Deontay Wilder, oh, basically nice. calling him out. It's done in a very respectful but nice, but in the typical bit, bit of bit of cheek to it as, as you'd expect nicely done it's it's on the internet type it in I'm not going to read it out it's long but it's worth checking out it's read Del Boy's uh, letter to Deontay what does he say um, oh you just you have to read it it's kind of just saying that look we'll get it on there get you, on. go read it okay. it was about a week ago I read it and I can't really remember <laughs> but it was good right anything he does is alright um, now the other thing I was going to mention is just quickly as be- is becoming a bit of a regular feature, mm-hmm. my August Twitter page, yeah? <sighs> because last week, I don't even remember, or last episode, we talked about, we thought, who is he? He seems to be calling out people from week... Doss Rounds. Oh, oh, it's always Doss Rounds. But, um, yeah. He hasn't we, got, I think we, we were trying he, to predict... He who, hasn't got any nicer for Christmas, that's on the side to uh, um, he's, he's, find the Christmas He's mellowing, spirit. he's mellowing a oh, little. I mean, he's still... He's still Pretty angry, he's still angry and uh, confrontational, but he's definitely he's definitely mellowed for the festive. Uh, he has a call out. He has a call out Santa Claus. <laughs> right, mate. Well, he's called out the next best thing almost. Um, all right, so you went for uh, Juan Manuel Marquez. I picked Rios. No, didn't call out any of them. Nah, it was uh, it was Fifty Cent, the rapper and. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good no, choice. No, actually, I have to. No, that's not strictly true. Oh. What he did was he was calling out Fifty Cent to arrange a fight between him and James Kirkland. 
Oh, that was what he wanted. That is actually good. No, he'd, he'd lose, mate. I'd lose to everyone. Oh, yeah, I know. He's going to get mashed up by everyone he calls out. Spending all day he's drinking. He's on off the his nut, mate. He doesn't Which know what's going on. I don't know what I'd do, but there's a there's a man who knows all about street fighting. That is a character. That's where any aspiring boxers out there. What you want to do is go out, spend a bit of time street fighting, and learning the. What did he call it? It was the the game of death. Oh yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. So it was uh, for anyone I wasn't listening to like I think it was maybe like show ten that uh, when Mallorca was a younger fella and he was like seventeen in the in the streets when he was hanging out with his friends in Nicaragua. What he used to do was he would get in his car, gun it up as fast as he can, and just burst through like a red light at a busy intersection. Yeah. Game of death. Yeah. That's that's a character. You don't find that kind of UFC. They're all fucking eating salads and. Chicken and pasta and shit. Uh, anyway, um, I actually another thing I noticed on there was uh, random members of the public have started sending uh, Victor Ortiz Twitter messages telling him he has to fight my Olga. <laughs> <laughs> but they're, they're not like done in a nice way. Like, ah, oh, go on, fight my Olga. They're all they all seem to be calling him a maricon, which <laughs> is the insult uh, my Olga would use him and telling him his numerous homophobic yeah, insults. And all just telling him that he's uh, telling Victor that he's going to get knocked out in dos rounds. <laughs> <laughs> English people and they put you're going to get knocked out last round I like that bit we yeah. might be uh, <laughs> propagating the idea that really wow, baby, this is well it be. I was going to say Victor mate if you're listening I reckon just just get it out of the way fight him get it out because the last thing you need is a giant online bullying campaign against you Yeah, and I reckon I reckon he'll, he'll wipe the floor with him Victor oh absolutely which, unless of course uh, he ain't feeling it in yeah. which case he'll probably just bin it off halfway <laughs> through the fight he's called and be like what and he'll be like nah I'm not feeling it mate <laughs> nah Fuck this, I don't need this. I'm, I'm, I'm off. <laughs> My jaw is killing me, mate. You fucking get in there. He's a lunatic, this guy. Um, but yeah. Um, uh, do you want to hear something I heard? This got uh, little to do with the uh, current boxing. But I, heard, I saw this story when I was uh, doing a bit of research. You ever heard of. Um, <laughs> there was a campaign, I think it was in the Daily Mail, to bring back blindfold boxing. There's a campaign to bring that back. When was it ever in? Uh, it was in maybe in the late 40s. Uh, this is generally like, oh, okay. it's not the greatest sport in the history of the world, but as entertainment, it might, oh, it's a hell of an do idea. You, do you know what I think? You get four guys, yeah. stand them each at a corner, ding, 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 you ring a bell, they're all blindfold. The only rule, apart from don't kick, no peeping. That's stipulated, you can't peep. Can you kick people in the balls? Oh, no, no, just proper boxing, okay. blindfold on, ding, ding, you ring the bell, they all stand in the corner and they all move into the centre at the same time. And the trick is to listen and then swim oh, wildly as possible. The last guy standing wins. <laughs> that that reminds me, I know where that came from. Do you remember, um, I don't know if you remember this, but we were, um, I heard a story about the, what the Romans used to do. They had something they put in the Colosseums as part of their games. Mm-hmm. They'd get a blind man, they'd give him one of those trident yeah. forks and then make him fight four midgets in the ring. Wow. Yeah, that was that was how the Roman fucking ran things. That was their entertainment. <laughs> there was a blind man fighting four midgets that is little people. Oh, I, that, I believe in the that, preferred. That uh, went on for not that, not what they called them back then. They called them. Oh yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, <clears throat> that's that's something to think. I about. mean, it's a horrible idea, but fantastic, fantastic. Oh, it must be. It must have been great entertainment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, moving swiftly on. Have you got anything else? Uh, <laughs> something I've had. Right, you have ever heard of something called? Again, this has little to do with boxing, but I'll bring it back at the end. All right, all right. You ever heard of anything? Something called? Uh, Buckfast. Oh, that that's yeah, Scottish drink, isn't it? That okay. sends people 
any of our Scottish listeners right now, I'd imagine, are probably deep in halfway through a bottle. Oh, of this. probably. Basically, for anyone who doesn't know, it's a. They've got it on an intravenous drip, have they? It's described Ooh. as a caffeinated tonic wine. Yeah. Caffeinated. Apparently, it's like <laughs> if you had like a like one of those oh, so like the catering urns of coffee. Oh yeah. The amount of caffeine that's yeah. in them. They boil that down and stick it in a bottle of this. It looks like cough syrup. You pour it out. It's real yeah. thick, greasy stuff. And uh, apparently this has gone wild up in Scotland. Oh, it's yeah. Pulling, Puts hairs on your chest. Pulling the country apart, I'd say. No. Described as... You couldn't pull commo- that country apart, mate. Commotion lotion. Oh, I like that. Wreck the hoose juice. Oh, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> your Scottish accent is better than mine. Wreck the hoose juice. Yeah, I'm not doing that, mate. My... my... Relatives won't. Well, they won't listen to it, but they wouldn't forgive me for. I mean, this is quite genuine. Like at the moment, it's like massive months, uh, kind of young kids, and so it's considered like wildly to be at the moment like a scourge on uh, kind of society anywhere north of the border. And you go past Hadrian's Wall, and they are sucking this down like the yeah. day is never going to end. And um, so there's been calls recently for politicians just to ban it outright because it's so. Yeah. The, the weird thing is, it's not big in England because. It, I think they'd make it in some tiny, literally one of those abbeys. So, literally, like make it in an abbey. Yeah, like a, a Benedictine monks make this stuff and then just sell it across right the border. In it, then, um, if monks are making it, it I mean, <laughs> there's a sensation on YouTube. It's all gone viral of kids, so maybe like 15, 16, down in bottles of this stuff. Yeah, and going absolutely crazy. And uh, as young, as sorry, as one young Scotsman was quoted as saying, it says, "Myself and Bucky." Buck. Oh, nice. Yeah, Myself yeah. and Bucky have a rocky relationship over the past 13 years. How, how old is this kid? He's <laughs> about 22. Oh, brilliant. Over the past 13 oh. years. In my secondary school, it was referred to as the bottle of fight. Nice. I mean, my recommendation, the reason I brought it up at all... Is, is that uh, we should get a load of this shit and test it out. Is because uh, Ricky Burns is going to be fighting, I think in February, against that American guy called Terence Crawford. Oh, yeah. So well, my recommendation is... We'll get Ricky, Ricky down a couple of them bottles. Fucking gloves on, just holding and then Nick that proper, proper no. like nineteen forties boxing when people do <laughs> shots of rum in between the rounds. Who was that? Was that Jake Lamotta used to? Jake Lamotta used to knock them back. back. Shots of brandy, I think, was it or whiskey or something in between rounds? Just keep him on his feet. Can't, the thing is, if you get drunk and you're in a boxing match, yeah. Your timing, everything is off, and you can't fight well. But boy, yeah, you ain't half hard to knock out. Oh yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, I think that's about all for the... For the news. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll we'll move on. Ho, ho, ho. Okay, I was going to... Uh, something we did on the last episode was we did something about uh, boxing. You came out of the thing, you gave me some boxing quotes... Oh, yeah, yeah. ...from boxers, and I had to guess. Well, I thought we maybe make that a regular... Oh, nice. Having another one. Oh, yeah. Just for you listeners, he's, he's, on, his, uh, he's on his third... First one went down in a flash. He was like, it was like, like a, it was buck a, a fast. Scotsman <laughs> with a buck, yeah, buck fast. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. So what I thought is maybe make a bit of a regular feature. We take it in turns each week to uh, fire out a few quotes. Nice. This week I've come up with some for you, and you're going to have some of them. Are, I think you should be able to get some of these, right? Okay, lay them on me. I'll start off with um, some are hard, but first one's kind of kind of tough. Anyway. Which fighter said the following? Yeah. Belly's going to get you. Belly's going to get you? Yeah. Oh, Ricky Hatton? No. Belly's going to get you? I'll give you a clue. Go on. You're going to be wearing one of his T-shirts soon enough. Really? Yeah, Tyson Fury, mate. 
That is funny, I suppose. It's a bit more niche. Yeah, to kind I know of... it's tough. It's a tough one. We we'll get we we'll get to proper ones later <laughs> it's a on. Beneath the mid nineties, <laughs> <laughs> I know mid nineties advertising. Um, and, yeah. Um, all right, this one's this one. You you, sh- you should be able to work it out. It said, after I knock you out, I look forward to drinking the warm milk from your wife's breasts. Oh fuck, that's my organ. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Come on, boy. All right, okay. This next one's quite tough. It's in relation to Floyd Mayweather, and it says. If there is if there is such a thing as reincarnation, he'll want to come back as his fucking self. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Is that Freddie Roach? No. It's somebody who fought him and Ah, oh, he's funny enough. He's funny who fought him. Oh no, Shane Mosley. He's a he's a he he's probably would have City him. fan. Oh! Ricky Hatton. Yeah, Ricky. He's a funny boy, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> that's a good, that's a good one. Um, all right, and then there's this one, okay? You got Ernie Shavers could punch you in the neck and break your ankle. I know that. I know, you should uh, do. Why do I know that? He died recently. No. He died. Oh, who is it? No. Come on. Randy Tex Cobb. He didn't die recently. He's, oh, he can't die. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, good. I knew that I got. All right, the final one I've got for you is the three toughest fighters I, I ever fought were Sugar Ray Robinson, Sugar Ray Robinson, and Sugar Ray Robinson. Duh. I fought Sugar so many times, I'm surprised I'm not diabetic. He keeps on saying that. I know who that is. He keeps on saying his stand-up act. I know. The greatest stand-up act <laughs> in the history of comedy. The longest-running standing act. They keep on saying that, uh, who was it, that uh, Richard Pryor is the greatest stand-up of all time. That just that's for anyone who hasn't seen Jake LaMotta. Yeah. <laughs> Drunk, angry, and all where Sam Kennison got his genius. Jake LaMotta's doing that first as a fan. Right, okay, well that's that wraps it up. The that's all ball. I've got, but yeah. That's good, I like that. Cool. Right, we're into the uh, reviews uh, section of the show. Yeah. So we run past over the last uh, couple of weeks action. And uh, can I just say three weeks has been action packed. There's quite a lot. I like the way the show's going so far. Oh yeah, me too. I like it. It's got a nice tempo. Yeah. I'm not surprised the amount of fucking beer. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was the big one over the last couple of weeks. So on uh, what is it? Saturday, the twenty third of November. This was Manny Pacquiao. Oh yeah. Coming back since his uh, big massive knockout loss to uh, Juan Manuel Marquez. It was yeah. up against Brandon Rios. It was. Tell him, I, was, I don't know, it was advertised, it was going to be an absolute classic. It yeah. didn't turn no, out I that didn't way, think it was. Um, when the things you heard before the fight with what Freddie was saying, it was, it was Manny's going to go back to boxing, he's going to... There was a lot of nastiness before it actually kicked off. Oh yeah, we, t- we touched on that. <laughs> we did, yeah, um, but um, I thought that would add more spice, but yeah. um, anyway, it turned out that Rios, sadly, just isn't quite as... He's nowhere near as good, frankly. He's a one. He's a very entertaining fighter, but he's one-dimensional. And if you approach him in the right way, I think he he lacks a certain something to. Re- if somebody's got very disciplined and boxes a smart way, he lacks to be able to really test the top-level fighters. And let's face it, Manny Pacquiao is. Absolutely. So it was only really we we said it was only ever going to go one way. That I mean, fight. Manny wasn't quite as his, at his kind of devastating <clears throat> best. It has to be said, he wasn't. No. But after after block, such but... a shocking knockout, you know, I think it's kind of understandable. Um, you maybe want to just test the water. Rios, he's a he's a pretty he's a pretty big hitter. He can certainly throw quite a lot. He it was sensible for Manny to mm. be a bit cautious, and he looked good. Let's let's he was he didn't he, he looked very good. Sure, apparently he's given up on the drink. 
I never knew this about Manny Pacquiao. Oh, he was a nice Because, um, yeah, I always thought he was... You get the impression that oh, he's yeah. like a really nice guy because he got the wife he, and kids he had, he had that double image he would he would paint himself one way and behind he would he was he was he yeah. would sling it up anything like any old <laughs> any old girl he could find he was around that knocking them back i haven't heard the phrase Trinkies. sling it up anything <laughs> <laughs> sorry it's a horrible i think i've ever heard that sorry uh, yeah apparently a bit of a womanizer back in his uh yeah back in the philippines but um anyway yeah Brandon, I'll give him credit for this. I've never seen anyone who smiles quite as much after getting punched in the face. Oh, he loved him. I love him. Only that Japanese guy that is going to be in like the oh, fight of the yeah, year. yeah, yeah. Apart from him, hopefully people who've listened to previous episodes will know yeah. who that is because I can't remember his name. Yes. But um, anyway, yeah, again, Brandon Rios, not quite the... It wasn't close. It wasn't close. No. Next big one was at the. Let's talk about the real big one, yeah. Carl Frost. Oh, absolutely. Georgie Groves. Georgie Groves. This was, uh, again. Same night. Same 23rd. night. Super middleweight division. Frotch's IBF title on the line, fighting in Manchester. A friend of ours, uh, Carl Donnelly. You listen to his podcast because it's fantastic. Oh, he's got a comedy podcast. He, Carl um, Donnelly and Chris Martin podcast. Yeah. And it's uh, wonderful. Anyway, he called me up on that Saturday and said, I was at work. And he goes, All right, do you want to. Do you want to head up to Manchester and we'll just get right on it? Ah, oh, and why didn't you? Oh, I was at work. I oh. literally just come in. It was just before 12 and I thought, oh, can I leave? Can I, can I do it? Decided, no, that's... I'll, I'll go to a pub and watch it up in London Bridge yeah. was what we did. Turned out it was the worst decision I've made in quite a long while because I absolutely loved every second of that. Oh, yeah. But, but, but can you imagine how gutted you would have been with that outcome with... The weird thing is, right, so... Before this uh, fight kicked off, so I guess for anyone who hasn't seen it, go and watch it online because it is super oh, exciting. Brilliant. One of the best British fights I've seen in a long time. But what was it? Like a... Ben Eubank? Be up there. It would absolutely be up there. And the reason is, before this started, like George Groves goes in as like a massive underdog. Well, and, to um, some people. I thought he was going to get overpowered. I was one of those people who thought, listen, you haven't quite got up to that level yet. Turns out, first round, puts Carl Frotch right in his backside. I never saw that coming. Uh, <laughs> I remember jumping out of my seat. And, oh my God, that is... That yeah! Is, then it was on. Then it was like, this is going to be fantastic. It turned out... It was That's one of those beautiful case. moments in boxing because I actually... I, I kept saying that I think it's going to be a really tough fight for Frotch and I think Grove stands... Uh, I think people are writing him off. They're not, they're not giving him... Quite the respect. Yeah, I think I think they're underestimating him big time. I, mean, I was. I didn't think he was that tough. To I didn't think he was gonna fucking knock Carl out. Well, there's that old. I think there's a, a real trend in bo- uh, trend in boxing. Sorry, where people say, "Oh, well, if you haven't fought anybody at the elite level, you, you're you're kind of you're a nobody. You're you're that massive step below." Which is, I understand why in some cases it's true, and some people can't make that transition, but. Listen, there are a lot of fighters, they just haven't had that opportunity and they can be just as talented and just as good. If they've got the mental strength and if they've got the god of war, <laughs> Roman god of war, Mars on their side, then, then nothing can stand in their way um, except uh, slightly okay, so refereeing. Okay, so if, uh, again, it was like super close. That's, hang on, that's completely wrong. It wasn't close at all. It was George, a totally lopsided. George Groves had won maybe like the first seven out of the eight rounds. Yeah. First eight. And then Carl Frost maybe took the eighth one. Came into round, I think it was round nine. nine. And um, Frost was coming on good. It he was coming on good. Groves hadn't thrown a punch back for maybe about 30 seconds. But he wasn't no, getting... No, he threw some. He didn't land any. <laughs> he was throwing a couple back. But he wasn't getting, like, smacked <clears throat> all around the place. Yeah. And it's one of the... Okay, I'd say... 
there's something I found very strange about how some of the referees are fired. If you see someone in trouble, and there's occasionally if someone's out in their feet, yeah, you think, and then necks snapping back exactly. and things, jump in there, but none of that was happening. None of that. And so, if a man is willing to stand there, stand up on his feet, he doesn't take a knee. He doesn't make that tactical decision in his head to go down. He wants to, because he wants to fight it out. He wants to stay up yeah. there and not lose a point or not lose an extra point. If you're the referee, I don't understand how he can stop it. If That's, he's not yeah. clearly out, I, then... Th- I thought that was... Sh- I know I've heard some people... Prince Nassim, he's obviously Carl Froch loves him. And he was... Apparently, I heard... I saw him interviewed, and he was there saying, Carl Froch, after he won that fight, he walked over to the rope, he looked right down at me, pointed at me, and said, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, he was saying that it definitely should have been stopped, but I totally disagree. I think a lot of... I, if you watch it back, Gross was a bit wobbly on his feet, and he... Because he was weaving before that, his head was down low. He didn't. There were moments where he maybe didn't have a full bearing on the ring, but that was just because a lot of Carl's punches were. If you watch it back, a lot of them were hitting him on the shoulder, and Carl was throwing his whole body at it, pushing through with his arms, knocking George off balance. And just for me, that just never should have been a stoppage. And the real shame about it is, I think Carl was coming on really good in that fight, and Groves was slightly draining slipping and it had reached such an an interesting point in that mm. fight where shit do you know what grows uh sorry frotch could come back he could because he looked uh, he looked shocking before that he looked mentally gone in the earlier rounds it looked like grows had just totally slow. sprung a trap and he was he was pouring with his jab he just looked nervous he was backing up he was flinching at all throat um grows was using a lot of good feints and and frotch just looked looked a shell as yeah. Andre Ward always liked to say, he's got his hands down, yeah. just punch him in his face. Yeah. And um, that was pretty but much... as I say, he actually, the eighth round, he he was coming on good. And the ninth, he looked really good. It looked like, you know, and you, you were coming into those championship rounds where Frotch is known to be able to f- perform and bring that yeah. extra level. And I just think it was, it was a, a terrible shame for everyone, for the viewers, for for... Well, Carl would probably say it's not He's probably having a mood with it. But I think for, for, for the viewers especially, even if you're a Carl Froch fan or a Gross fan, it really, you know... It that could have been one really, of these yes, really, one really of great. Yes, real greats right up there with... Yeah. The Ben Eubank fights. And it just, it just yeah. I, I, gotta say, I, I can say I can sympathise. There's a there's part of the logic why I can see why the ref did it, but I just think it was a mistake. And I think if he looked at that back now... You know, human error, all sports open to it. And I don't think it was anything dodgy. I don't think it was, like, pretty dumb. But Groves makes a good point of Frotch looked a lot worse than Groves did in that fight, and the ref let it continue. Um, yeah. And, yeah. There's a lot of that, I guess, is if someone's known for having, like, a granite chin, yeah. he lets it go on. I would say, again, not to kind of uh, give the referee some uh, praise, because I don't uh, agree it was, like, the best decision. But I would say that uh, when I watched it live, because you're drinking in, like, a pub and it's... Yeah. You're like, oh, that kind of bloodlust kind of gets up in you. But I watched it back on um, just last Sunday morning, that it was definitely... I sympathised a lot more with the referee. It didn't seem anywhere near yeah. as bad as when I watched it, like, it the first fe- It still felt like a mistake, but an understandable mistake yeah. is how I would, but, uh, would view it. Roll on the rematch, or well, not, think, as the case may be. No, I don't think, doesn't no he doesn't want it. But I think it's, it's stupid of him to, because I don't think he would stand a chance against Ward. I think... I think that makes sense. I think he should do it because I think he he underestimated Groves and I think he knows if he gets back into the ring with him again, he'll know not to... I kind of liken it to, you know, Eubank and Collins. (laughs) (laughs) 
Frotch went in there a bit overly confident and Groves fucking worked on a solid plan and, and him... I heard this that a Carl Frotch wants okay, we all agree that he's not gonna be Carl uh, sorry, he's not gonna be Andre Ward. The rematch against Groves would be huge. In the meantime, if his next fight, and this is the one he said that he wants, is a uh, Julio C- uh, Cesar Chavez Jr., a super middleweight, which he could absolutely win. It'd be a lot of fun to watch. He could, like a massive payday, and then come back and, I don't know if he rounds off, because rounds off his career against Groves. I think that would be, if that's his next big fight, if he can't, if he doesn't want to fight Groves, I think, think he's going to lose. I think he's definitely, I mean... Again, big fans of Frotch. You know, he's he's amazing. Such an entertaining fighter. He's been great for the British public, yeah. boxing fans. But it did feel to me, and even elements in that Kessler fight, as good as it was, it did feel like he was... He's he's getting on now. I mean, I know Ooh. he started quite a bit later than... Can I ask uh, 25, yep. But um, James DeGale, yep. when he fought George Groves, yep. back, what was that, maybe like three years ago? Uh, about two and a half, yeah. yeah. And he absolutely got okay. robbed on a decision. But he did. But it was, it was no, very it was close. a tight fight. You could you could make a case for both of them. It was a very close I fight. I thought James DeGale probably won that fight when they mashed up. But um, is it bizarre how differently their careers have gone? Yeah, I look at one guy down to George Groves being fantastic and being proven himself to be literally in the top, maybe like six or seven. They've both been searching for a big fight, and this is Groves' big one. I don't think their careers have gone differently until that Groves got the frotch fight. I, I would think, have said it was kind of. I'd say Groves' career went a bit better, as you'd expect, because he mm. won it. Um, and, you know. It yeah. seems to be uh, like a springboard to his confidence. Anyway, we'll move on to the yeah. next one. So, um, what is this? Like uh, the week before last, Adonis Stevenson. So this was oh, the yeah. light heavyweight division, and he's got the ring in WBC titles, fighting that in Canada. Yeah, and he came up against Liverpool's own Tony, Tony Bellew, who I'm a who's, huge fan of. Yeah, and he said that he was just a little midget. When you take away his, I think the <laughs> quote was, "When you take away his left hook, he's just a little midget." It's one of those strange insults, which one is offensive to like a. Like a, a significant proportion of the population. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Well, he's quite small, Adonis Stevenson, especially in comparison to Tony Bellew. But listen, when I watched his fight, the American commentator, you know Jim Lampley? Yeah. He, he introduced Tony Bellew as he came into the ring. He Hello, Jim, him. if you're listening. Hey, Jim. He introduced Tony <laughs> Bellew into the ring, describing him as, uh, and this is a quote, a nice guy, someone you would want to have in your football team or play snooker with. Now... I don't know what kind of exposure Jim has had with Tony, but every interview I've ever seen with Tony Bellion either ends up with him trying to headbutt someone <laughs> or tell him he's going to put somebody in a grave. <laughs> he's a nutter. Oh, and that's I'm not true. Hang on, Tony Blue, for the oh, couple of interviews a... I've seen, I like him. Oh, he's always trying to headbutt people. I like Scouts. <laughs> he's going to bury them. I lived in for three years. Love him. Yeah, <laughs> Love them. That's true. Um, but I reckon if I had a game of snooker with him, I don't think it would take that long before he ended up putting a fucking snooker cue over my head. He'd definitely he be the type of person fucking... who would be lining up a shot, nudge the white, look at you in the eye, and just play uh, on. Play yeah. on. No way he'd get four points. I reckon he'd, 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 he'd have me out, mate. <laughs> and he'd take out the rest of the fucking snooker hole as well. We'd like to have a Steven Seagal early fucking 80s film. Oh, I think What's the film where he took... Mark Death, out, I'm pretty was sure. Was that it? Takes out a whole pool... He goes into a pool hall and he just wipes the floor with a load of... It's like Mark for, or Out for Justice, I think. Out, out for Justice. Justice. Mark for Death with the Yardies. That's probably oh, yeah. his best film. Um... But yeah, anyway, I actually reckon uh, I reckon Tony Bell, I reckon he's actually really tasty at snooker. I can, I can, I can, 
I can imagine him having like a solid <laughs> 30 or a 40, mid, mid 30 break, I reckon. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely one of the last people in the world I'd want to have a game of snooker with. <laughs> I'd be terrified. Um, but uh, I guess for anyone who hasn't seen it, should we say it like how it ended? So we came to, it was a round six, and uh, Stevenson, again, one by KO. Yeah. And uh, pretty much I overpowered and I bullied him, which absolutely Tony Ballou was not expecting. Came off strong. I don't know. I think you you look at the way he boxed, I think he was expecting a tough... I mean, Stevenson has knockout power. He was, he's known for that. And you could see the way Tony approached. It was very different from how he would normally box. He's a pressure fighter. He comes on, he throws. You look at his fights against Chalemba and even Clevin and things. Yeah. He likes to get... And he's, he's an aggressive fighter. He doesn't have necessarily that real knockout power, but he likes to come forward inside fight and lots of... Whereas this fight, I thought he started quite well. I'm not sure if he necessarily won the early rounds, but I think he was boxing smart. He had a game plan to keep his distance. He was thinking long-term in the fight. He was thinking, you know, he showed good foot mo- uh, good footwork. Um, he wasn't afraid to, in spurts, get in and throw some punches mm-hmm. and then get out. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if he necessarily took any of like the first couple of rounds, but in round three... Just, uh, yeah, Stevenson seemed to up the pace and caught belly of some solid shots that looked like they had him Real down. a bit of pain. And then round four was just a proper tasty explosion <laughs> where they both went at it. Um, just, Tony deciding to, like, throw and train. If I ever, if I ever become a boxer... My name, my nickname, is going to be Tasty Explosion. <laughs> I want you to know that. All I'm right. going to steal that line. Okay. Out of the back of my, I'm like, I'm going to wear a Tyson Fury shirt on. Garrett, Tasty Explosion, Monkler. I'm getting yeah. rid of the, the negotiator. <laughs> tasty Explosion instead. Yeah, but, um, yeah, was it was it round six, I think? Um, yeah. It all sort of went a bit downhill, and, um, yeah... He, he was dropped in round six. So Let me ask you this. That, um, so after he got uh, knocked out, he comes out, maybe in the couple of days afterwards, and he said that um, Blue came out and said, it's too much effort to try and get himself down to 175 Yeah, he's moving pounds. up to cruiserweight, isn't he? Do you think that's a good idea? Yeah, I For do. Him cleverly doing no, that? No, because no. they've come up against two guys who've knocked him Listen, out. Does <clears> that say something about their psyche? And it's like, I can't go back and I can't get down. No, I think... You know I mean? Well, maybe. But I think for in Bellew's case, definitely. You look, both of those guys have a big frame. In Bellew's case, he... When he was amateur boxer, he fought a heavyweight, right? Yeah. So that shows that he's... He's a big lad. Yeah, he's a big lad. He can put it on. I think I heard in an interview that he said he'd basically been on like an 11-year diet where he's just dieting all the time. And, yeah. and, and he, But he always had the mentality that because he was winning, you know, if it's not it's the kind of mentality that if it's not broken, don't try and fix it yeah. kind of thing. You know, I'm winning fights, I'm doing okay, I'm sticking with this game plan. There's no point moving up because I could be worse. But when you lose like that, sometimes you've got to reevaluate it and do something a bit different. And in his case, I actually think it could be... You never know. A fighter sometimes steps up, they put on that weight, and they feel a lot better. You look at... Mm. You look at people like Oscar De La Hoya, people who fight at a lower weight, and when they move up, yeah, when they move up and they put that weight on, they become stronger and they become better sometimes. So you know, apparently, I think uh, it's worth. I heard like apparently the guy who wants to take on. So basically, if you're going to fight the two champions in uh, the cruiserweight division, it's either Marco Hawk or Juan Pablo Hernandez. Apparently, he's going after uh, Baloo's going after. Sorry, Christoph Vlarczyk. Oh yeah. Again, the last time I saw him is he might be the toughest man <laughs> in the history of the world. He, The last fight I watched with him, he took about a thousand punches in the face, stood up and just used his ingrained, I think from Poland, 
natural <laughs> energy and just eventually like blasted through some fighter was much 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 better than yeah him. yeah I don't see Tony Blue being able to outpower that guy that's like a big that's a big ask well who knows I mean yeah who knows you 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 didn't know I'm assuming you didn't know that much about the opponent you didn't know the the level oh the guy who what. The guy we... Bladarski yeah. fought. Yeah. Uh, okay, no, it might have been back in like show 10, but he was a... In any case, okay, yeah. fine. Well, um, it's not all bad for Bellew because um, it's worth mentioning that his beloved Toffees, the Everton, they're having a great season. So, <laughs> <laughs> you, so cheer up, Tony. You uh, may have lost... Richard but... has mentioned that because uh, Garrett is a Man United fan. And they recently lost. Oh, they did. That's not why I mentioned it, but I was over the moon at that. I absolutely loved it. I wasn't quite as good as <laughs> wasn't quite as good as seeing Cardiff score a like 90th minute goal to equalise um, against you. There's nothing sweeter in the world than uh, uh, preferably at Old Trafford. That's when it's really best. <laughs> but we'll move back into the other. It's, it's, it's even better when it's manual winning and it and it's a draw right. and they equalise rather than a draw and then. If I'm not allowed to. Love Sing it. country songs. You're not allowed to slack off, man. United. All right, sure. okay, I'm done. Right, we'll move on to the next uh, light heavyweight. So um... no, no, no. I want to. While we're on the topic of, I want to talk about Stevenson. We discussed okay, yeah. Bellew, and you know, there's a lot of people who've been talking about a mega fight with him and uh, Kovalev. Yeah. You know, massive. He he had a um, he had a second. He also scored a second round KO same night over uh, Ishmael Silak. Silak, indeed, yeah. Um, on a night, it was kind of a, a, a timid start from him, but <laughs> he landed a proper punch. Boom! He is a weird guy in the sense that, so Silak is, he was like kind of moving around the ring, bouncing on his toes, and then Kovalev, he never looked in danger, didn't look in trouble. Maybe probably even lost the first round, but he never looked like he's. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's weird about him is he must have some weird strength in his punches. Yeah. Because when he hits someone, yeah. they go instantly and like, that person, wow, yeah, that, is, that is shocking. That really, really hurts. And yeah. just completely knocks him off kilter. He's either got, he's either got hands of stone like Manos de Piedra, <laughs> or he's got loaded gloves like Antonio Margarito. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, I think he's just... Should we start a rumour now? <laughs> Kovalev is the biggest cheat in boxing. No, mate, he's Russian. <laughs> just fucking very, very hard hands. Very hard hands. So anyway, yeah, listen... Yeah, the minute he catched him with a punch, didn't even look that good. And he finished it quick, didn't he? That guy got Absolutely, up and he yeah. was like, I'm not really sure. He wasn't taking any chance. He just landed a 1-2 and the guy was down and out. But So they, they're talking about this Stevenson versus Kolev, which naturally would be an amazing fight. All fight fans are going to want to see it. Mm-hmm. However, I don't see it as a realistic fight for the two of them next, just because I think it's such a big payday. They're both that name that I just think, realistically, they're going to wait for... I think it will happen, Mm -hmm. but I I see, in their mind, they're going to think, look, let's just have a couple of fights in between each and build it up all the more, make some money off that, being champions, and then you can hype it up and build it. I just... I'd see that going, and um, I know that Stevenson mentioned in the ring afterwards when they talked about it, he kind of went, yeah, it'd be a great fight to have, but right now I'd, I'd like to fight... Frotch or Hopkins next. See, now, he's... I mean, both of them would be absolutely fantastic, but... Personally, I can't see a fight with Frotch being realistic. He's he's continually linked with people in the light heavyweight division, and I don't think... He's never... Ste- he hasn't stepped up. He's... Be a lot of fun, but I... Yeah, it I would. And the other thing is, for like Frotch, it. I think he's got, he's got bigger paydays and unsettled scores in his own division. Yeah, without having to step up and fight as as entertaining and as good as Stevenson is, 
having another beer there. We're yep. running low, mate. Might have to go to the off <laughs> <laughs> Um As good a fight as it would be, I just think there's unnecessary risks. Um, That's a good way of looking at it. That's, um, it could and be one of those type of things, I suppose, of... Like, not that this happens that often in boxing, especially not in the kind of heavier divisions of... But, like, having, like, a trilogy... Because they seem, if uh, Kovalev and Stevenson got into it, yeah, he, one of them has to be, you get the impression, one of them would have to be getting knocked out. Yeah. And it would be the type of thing of, we'll definitely have another and another and keep yeah. on going. The only yeah. thing I would say, when they, when they do meet up, the one thing I suspect, which might be a crucial factor, is possibly Kovalev's chin might be stronger. I think, mm-hmm. I personally think Stevenson looks more, I think he looks like a better boxer a smarter boxer, mm-hmm. whereas I think Steve, uh, whereas I think Kovalev might just have, as you say, that just insane. Hulk I think they they strength. both got amazing knockout power, but but I think uh, Kovalev is I creepily think, strong. Yeah, and I think I I get the sense that I know that um, I know that Stevenson's been knocked out. I think um, so. Whereas, or he's certainly, certainly been dropped. Whereas I don't, I don't can't hurt that. <laughs> <laughs> Literal yeah. bullets from a Russian gun. But um, and as far as Bernard Hopkins is concerned, well, Stevenson wouldn't be the first powerful Canadian to underestimate <laughs> <laughs> underestimate the wily veteran. Um, personally, I'd love to see that fight just because I reckon most people would write Bernard Hopkins off. And if there's one thing we know about Bernard, is he's at his most dangerous when people write him off. Absolutely, I don't know. Would I ask you this: that um, Stevenson on the role that he is. He's knocking out with two. He's knocked out by his last like four opponents. Got himself up to be like a champion of the division. Is he looking for the one guy he doesn't want to come up against? Even though oh, I think so. Hopkins would be a massive yeah. payday, but you don't want to come up against don't a guy who's him. not going to get hit. Who's, <laughs> who at best will make you look like you don't know how to box. Yeah, that's kind of what's going to happen. That's so, Bernard's biggest problem is he's just he's a nightmare for anybody to face. Wait until Bernard's fiftieth birthday. Yeah. Don't take him on. Nobody beats you. It's like oh, I, I reckon. I reckon he's like a fine wine, mate. He gets better. With <laughs> is there a chance B Hop is going to be fighting at sixty-five? No, no, <laughs> Not no, 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 no. He won't even commit to the fifty. But um, close to it. But anyway, anyway. bring it back to uh, UK boxing. Yeah, you're going to talk about Del Boy. Absolutely. So uh, Del Boy He was up against who was it? Who was supposed to fight this? Uh, uh, he had like I heard. Was it not like two or three opponents dropped out on him? Just kept pulling out of the fight so he had to just keep bringing in new people he, and eventually he, it was, absolutely he was supposed to fight this I think I'm sure it was like a, the Italian champion called yeah the, it was yeah Mo Dugno yeah it was which yeah. I'm a big fan of that name but um, anyway he got a rib injury so he had to come up against uh, Andre Pallet instead who had like a decent record he's like 30 yeah. odd wins and I'd, he'd come in a little bit unknown but you know if you speak to people in the know about boxing he's, he's trained with like all a lot of the top top heavyweights in Europe certainly like um, and he's you know he's he's kind of he's a good he's a good fighter yeah. and I and especially the fact that Chizura <laughs> I, like, could, I do speak to people in the know and they told me he was quite a good boxer. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing is like it's always trickier when you're when you can't really train for a specific opponent. Yeah, right? absolutely. When you're just thrown in there, but it's tricky for both guys. But I I thought I thought Chizura looked quite good. Um, it, so did Pala, but it. For those of you who didn't see it, it was a. I believe you didn't see it, did you? No, I never miss a Del Boy fight. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was. A, it was another slightly controversial stoppage, um, really. In in, it was a round in the four. fight, it was round three, but it was controversial because 
while Pala did look okay mm-hmm. and it like quite able to go on fighting, the referee he didn't give the referee much choice. He basically got spun around at one point in the corner. But rather than sort of like realizing trying to fight back yeah. and like try and spin round and protect himself, his head, he just left his arms down at his side. And he was right in the corner facing the crowd. Mm-hmm. Like, so he had his back to Del Boy and the whole of the ring. And Del Boy just saw this and thought, I'm having some of this. Boom, big overhand right, straight on the back of the head. And then wound up throwing a big left hook. And the ref was just like, look, the guy's got his arms by his side. He's facing the crowd in the corner. He's not reacting to anything. Just stepped in. And you, you had to do that. Now, Pala, in the end, turned around. He was totally fine. And he was like, I think you got a sense he thought, right, I thought the referee's just going to come between us and stop it because I'd been flipped around. I guess in the ring, if you're in the middle of a ring and you get turned around, the ref will kind of like go, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, so, you know, it was... I think Pala was fine to go on, and it's a shame because he yeah. was he was, he was proving a good test for Delbert. Let me ask, that thing of protect yourself at all times. So for any stage, your back is turned. Yeah. Apparently, you probably don't expect. Yeah. Unless you knew Del Boy, who is <laughs> always ready to throw punches, Listen. you probably don't expect to get punched in the back of the head. <laughs> but nonetheless, do you know what I mean? If it's you're still no. in a fight, you're still. I, there I think there are off. very very few boxers who, if they got spun in a corner with their hands down the side, they're just going to stand there and think, right, anything goes. Maybe it. <laughs> I think most would try and think, oh shit, I've got to turn around, I've got to weave, I've got to back down, I've got to do something, even lean over the ropes. This guy just stood there, limp. Well, that's my favourite example of this. There's, um, You can look this up online, type in maybe like the boxing's craziest knockouts, and uh, there's a clip you can see. It's this red haired guy with dreadlocks. Yeah. White guy, red hair, dreadlocks. And he's uh, finding maybe it's like his 10th fight. And uh, anyway, he comes up against this big bruiser. First round, red haired guy realises. I, I just, I'm way in, way, way deep. Should never come into this fight. Anyway, throw a couple of punches, and he just, he concludes really quite scared. Turns around, runs to the ring apron, hops up on the side, literally throws his leg over the no. top rope. And he's literally, it's one of those scenarios where he's so scared, he doesn't really know what he's That's doing. That's got to be made up. Nobody's going to get in the ring. Leaps on over the side, puts his leg over the top, and just doesn't know what he's doing. Obviously, the opponent just walks straight over Massive right hand, clipped her right in the chin, knocked him over the side of the apron. Staged. I'm very skeptical. You know that about me. <laughs> <laughs> very skeptical. I don't. I don't believe someone would get into a professional boxing. It was clearly one of those occasions where, oh, wow, this guy is he's a lot. Unless he's just some bum who they got a drunk guy in a pub and went, mate, do you fancy pretending you're a boxer and getting he, in the he ring? He didn't look like the greatest boxer. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe. Anyway, about Delboy. Yeah, I thought I thought he looked good. He's sticking to that. He seems a real trap. I mean, it's always been his style, but real in in close fighting, like almost, um, you know, just burying his head in the opponent, throwing and big crunching. Well, no, not I, I. I wouldn't even say necessarily. It's more like it reminded me, like seeing him in this fight and the other. Of, you know, the Roberta Duran versus Sugar Ray Leonard fight, that first one, just where he just buries, gets right in, smothers him, a lot of pressure, just buries the head, right, head on head, and just Love throwing. That. Body punches and <laughs> inside hooks and everything. And just that constant relentless where the opponent, they're not necessarily the cleanest or the most, you know, devastating part, but just that never giving them a second yep. to, to have a moment. Just that frustration of like, God damn, just get this gazer all fucking away from me. That sort of thing. And, you know, I would almost say... Okay, sorry, listeners, for that technical hitch. Uh, that was uh, Garrett who leant over, uh, stopped the recording of the show... <laughs> And he said, uh, we got to go down the off-licence. 
for what you wouldn't have seen is while I was talking about the Del Boy fight, and it would seem like Garrett was sitting there quite. He picked up the emergency bottle of Peroni beer and basically, effectively, <laughs> straw pedoed it. <laughs> right down that while I was talking about the fight, and he was looking over, nodding, but he wasn't really paying attention. He was thinking, "I'm enjoying this. It's running low." I'd say, don't let the listeners in on the background. Oh, this is well. It makes it easier for the editing because otherwise I have to try and edit it out. And look behind the veil. This is the magic of the show. Oh, this one I know it's going. Christmas, mate, isn't it? Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, don't worry. We're stocked up. We've got a load more summer girls. Plenty. Um, yeah. Plenty. Anyway, Plenty. are we done with uh, Del Boy? Yeah, we were done with. Alright, shall we move on to the uh, next? Oh, there's one. no way getting back onto it oh. after that. <laughs> 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 what is the next one? Alright, so the next one was uh, Zab Judah. Welterweight division, fun in New York. Apparently, the battle for Brooklyn. Oh, it was a good title, wasn't it? Him against a uh, feather handed speedster, Paulie yeah, Malinaggi. Good, good friends they were growing up. Friend of the show. Oh, he is friend of the show. And uh, Malinaggi taken over a poised decision against a 35 year old Zab Judah. Yeah. What's his last fight against um, Danny Garcia? It was, yeah. In an amazing last three rounds, he came right back and. Yeah. An absolute war, like a yeah, real yeah. kind of yeah. vicious battle. But um, anyway, yeah, so uh, Paulie, God love him, because I didn't expect him to do that well. Oh, I did. Really? Yeah. I, I was quite. I thought he did well against Broner. I mean, he lost it, but. I thought he was going to concentrate so much on Omerta. Oh, that's the true. Act of silence. That's I true. Thought, He's moving on to bigger and better things. I thought his I... mind would have been taken by. No, I think I think it showed that he was yeah Hollywood greatness. He, I think he proved in that fight how tricky an opponent he is to to face up against. He's got a very un- awkward and quick he's, style. He's and, incredibly tough. He, we all know he doesn't. Oh, he's like got an artist. amazing chin and incredibly tough. And again, he won on like a fairly wide point decision. I think uh, the three referees had him win by like five rounds or so. Yeah, but um, I, I'm a big fan of his just because he knows that he's got like a there's a massive weakness in his game. But he's not going to be knocking people out, and he can force on through that. And yeah, he finds another someone. way, and that is boxing sometimes. You have to look, what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, same for your opponent, how can I exploit those? And he does it well, so you've got to give him credit for that. And also, talking about the fact that he doesn't hit so much, we, I mean, I know people joke about that, but I think it, I heard he's, he has quite a lot of operations on his hands, you know. He used to have a bit of zip, and when you've hurt your hands so much, don't forget, that's why Prince Nassim ended up bowing out slightly early. He said that it just continually hurting the hands and yeah. for the real devastating punches when that goes you can't hit people he's, he's never had the most devastating of punches well to be fair. I would <laughs> well no but uh, anyway you, yeah. know, you weren't there with him in his amateur days and he was sparking out heavyweights <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll move on to the next one because this just happened uh, last weekend and um, for me this was I'll take it was to my mind maybe what I consider to be like the fight of the year or at least should have been so it was a 12 rounds middleweight division. Darren Barker, he's just won the IBF title and just did. You think this fight was fight of the year? I thought it was going to be because he was... Oh, up against, okay, um, sorry, sorry, right. Uh, yeah, he was coming up against uh, Felix Durham. So Barker just won his title by uh, beating Daniel Gill yeah. in a fantastic fight. It was my favourite one of this year by a mile. And um, anyway, he's coming up against Felix Durham. Really? By a mile? There's been a lot of very good fights. I think... A lot of very good fights. I won't go into it now, okay. but it's like... For me, it was my favourite one. But uh, anyway, so he's coming up against uh, Felix Durham, and they're very, very closely matched. They kind of look like each other. Well, yeah. they look like cousins. They look they like do. The they English do. They and look German cousins. Related. <laughs> and don't forget, let's not forget, um, Darren Barker's a Chelsea boy, like myself. Well, this yeah, no one's perfect. <laughs> but uh, anyway. Same with George Groves as well. There's quite a few of us in the. Us. I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm not going to. But. Uh, 
Barker, sadly. Anyway, got, for anyone who hasn't seen it, he lost in the second round, got a second round um, KO, or TKO. And, uh, but it was a massively tragic end. The first round started off like super fast, super yeah, high yeah, pace. Yeah. Again, they're very um, experienced. They're not the most explosive of, uh, fighters either one. But the um, second round, that uh, Darren Barker got stopped. And the reason he got stopped is he'd been, knocked, he'd been knocked down twice. But he got a dislocated hip. You could see on the first, something just before the first knockdown, it was like his hip went. And you could see it, you watch, you see it goes. And he loses his balance and you can see the look on his face and he goes down and he's like, what the, f- oh fuck, my, my hip's gone. And you see, he looks fine and he gets up and again, you see the way he's moving, he's all over the place. He's like... Unbelievably, he managed to get back up twice. Yeah, but you see the, the final time when he's on the when he's on the the canvas, he just he looks over at his corner and he just shakes his head and he's totally with it. He's totally fine and he just he looks and he knows what's happened. And he's just like, this is it. It's over. It's nothing. There's nothing you can do. One of your yeah. fucking legs don't work. I mean, it's it's incredible. It's, it's a real shame to especially. It's, yeah, sorry. It's massively tragic in the sense that. The plan for him was to keep hold of that title, come back to the UK. Fight Martin Murray, I think. Was yeah, like plan. go yeah. like a round robin in the UK with, and just swap the belt over, bring in like the big paydays. And this is a man who's been chasing a big payday for the last like 10 years. But he got it with that. I thought well, he got a good payday to go over to, that's why he went over there. They offered him... To Australian, to fight Giel. No, he got a good payday to fight Stern, to go over to Germany to fight, yeah. yeah. Um, so that was that was kind of he thought. Look, I've got to take that, and it was a good challenge. And he was he was you'd have to say was maybe favourite. I mean, Sturm looked good for how long the fight lasted. How old Sturm now? I think he's thirty six. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm not sure, but, but I, you know, like even um, Darren Barker's trainer came out afterwards and said uh, his trainer Tony Sims afterwards came out and said, "Listen, he just may never box again." Yeah, I mean, I it's, think... it's not one of those things of you can't really get over. Over, he's had loads of hip operations. Yeah, you can't. It's so hard. Yeah, to get it's, over it's that a shame. Long. Sometimes you just have to accept these. I, I'm just really happy that he managed to clinch a title. It's a shame the way it ended, how it did, and it could have been so much better. But sometimes in life, you just got to say, "Do you know what? Chelsea is still in the running for the title. <laughs> <laughs> I've had my belt. I got to walk out Stamford Bridge with it, show it off." You, you know, can't say further than that. Can't say further than that. John, you know? Bond, really. John Terry give his left bollock. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. So, what was the uh, last fight of the uh, last couple of weeks? Then so we'll round this well, off. I've got a couple, mate. So I'm going to talk about uh, Jorge Paez Jr. Now you might remember back on one of the shows we Son talked about of the legendary Jorge, Jorge Paez. <laughs> You're damn right. Um, so he was fighting Ivan Hernandez from uh, Colombia, I think it was. Should I say to any listeners who? aren't sure who Jorge Paez is. Check out some... I'm not yeah. even sure what episode Maybe like episode nine or something like that. Maybe anyway, seven. Go back and listen to early. a couple of the previous shows. We do a special... Richard did a special on him, and he, he is a... He's a live wire. He's, he's a lot of fun. He's an entertainer. <laughs> he's <laughs> a lot of fun. Grew up in the circus, mate. And you, first and foremost, <laughs> you've got to entertain. You've got to entertain the crowd. Boy, did he. Um, anyway, so Jorge Paez Jr. came in, and uh, this, was, this was an entertaining fight, but really for all the wrong reasons. Oh. I can't remember the last time I saw someone acting the bollocks as much as Hernandez did in this fight. He was just an absolute nightmare. Falling on the floor, spitting out his gum shield, <sighs> lunging in with Andrew Galotta-style hugs. <laughs> you know, generally... The Andrew Galotta school of yeah, I mean, generally, you trying to use any advantage, like dirtiest little... Tr- not even in a, a clever way, just... Just a nightmare. Oh, I mean, I am it, a, I am a massive fan. Oh, of cheating you, your way to victory. Oh, you'd love this. this. This guy wasn't even cheating his way to victory; he was just cheating his way into a fucking <laughs> a 
everybody's yeah no it was it was not good but the fight started off quite cagey and actually Hernandez probably took the first couple of rounds now I was also a little disappointed with Jorge um Jorge's entrance to the ring let's just say he uh he hasn't gone down the Chris Eubank Jr. route which is just to copy his old man's <laughs> ring entrance um yeah no he's much more reserved than his oh, really? his dad was yeah it's not not putting on wedding dresses and Coming in after being putting on his this wife's is, wedding this dress. This is what happens when you don't grow up in the circus. However, however, <laughs> later in the fight, oh, you wait. He's 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 got he's got a bit of the old man spark. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, right. So it all kicks off in about round four when Paez just floors Hernandez with Ooh. a solid left hook. And at this stage, Paez is probably behind in the fight, but Hernandez is hurt real bad. Yeah. He stands up. He's he's. He's not straight on his feet. Pies can obviously see this, right? So he jumps on him straight away. Um, but as I've said, Hernandez is in a bad way, but not so bad that he doesn't have the senses to know that he needs to buy a little bit of time. Yeah. Yeah? Now, what's that here, you ask? How does he buy extra time, yeah? Does he take a, 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 a knee? Does he take an extra eight count? Does he try and tie up his opponent? Go for a clinch? Nah, not that. He throws the old left hook to the hip, followed by left uppercut to the balls. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, do you know what? It was so Nothing low. I, I love more than boxing, <laughs> but the old left hook to the hip. Roy Jones. Followed up. Roy Jones Jr. is a big fan. Smack around their old jewels. Yeah. But it was so low. It was so clearly, I've got to get this guy. I've got to get a ref to get in. It was, it, I think it was closer to the knee. It was, it was close to an uppercut to the knee. Now, that's a rare punch that you'll see. Anyway, naturally, the ref, like, jumps straight in, like, bang, bang. Like, splits him up. Ref turns around to check on Paez, right? And seems reminiscent of Corrales versus Castillo. Ivan Hernandez spits out a gun shield straight onto the ground. Right? So they start again, and the ref sees this and is like, all right, we've got to stop this. Anyway, splits up. (laughs) Ivan Hernandez must take a a good staggers back, spends a good 20 seconds trying to get the gun shield back in the mouth. Overall, must have bought himself with the whole shenanigans a good 45 (laughs) seconds, right? For which, quite rightly, the ref deducts a point. Says, like, listen, that is ridiculous. You are... So anyway, later in the fight, he's obviously he's behind. He's having to he's yeah. he's shaken up by this fight. He never really fully regains that initial sort of yeah, confidence spot. and spark that he had early on. Not that he had much of one early <laughs> on, but he was, he was he, for me he took the first couple of rounds. Anyway, he decides to take a leaf out of the old Bernard Hopkins manual, which is <laughs> when an opponent catches you on the back of the head, uh, you know while in a bit of a clinch, one of those little soft scuffing yeah. punches, he does the old, you know, holding the back of your head and really drawing it to the attention oh, of grimacing and that old, like, ref, oh, he's hitting me in the back. When he decides that's not enough, he thinks, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna take this to the next level, this one. So they're in a clinch. Jorge Paez catching him round the back of the head. Right, Hernandez, it takes him a couple of seconds to make this decision before. So the punch catches him, it's like, one, two... And then he just drops to the floor. <laughs> Holds the back of his head, starts rolling around. And it like and do you remember you showed me a clip on YouTube called the the worst low blow ever? And it's yeah. a guy who isn't even hitting the balls and he falls on the floor and just rolls around for about five minutes to the point where the ref and people are just looking around <laughs> going, What is this idiot doing? I think that might be back on show eleven. That is the yeah. finest bit of play acting I've seen since. I think it's more like, like show eight. Like Rivaldo and went down and yeah. <laughs> getting hit in the shins with the football. Yeah, against uh, Turkey, I think it was. Yeah, 
Well, anyway, so so it wasn't quite as bad as that low blow punch, but yeah. you know it wasn't far off to the point where, as I say, the ref, the opponent, everybody else in the crowd is thinking, "What is he doing? Yeah. Like this is ridiculous." Oh, and I should also um, point out that the commentators for this fight. Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. and Mark Antonio Barrera. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, technically... Is that like the best combination no, of... Well, for Mexicans, it is. For anyone, I would have said. That's a hell well, of a combination yeah. for... I mean, technically, I can't actually... I couldn't actually understand a word they're saying because it was all in that Spanish lot, yeah? <laughs> I'm not too up on that. <laughs> I'd go as far as I didn't understand a bloody word they said. But from their tutting and the general tone of voice, you could tell that the pair of them just thought that Hernandez was probably the biggest cunt to ever step in a ring. It's got to be said that uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Or he senior, did, yeah, he he's not, not a big fan of play uh, acting. He no. doesn't like... He likes getting in the mix. And, yeah, no. he likes a proper fight. You don't want to have play acting on the ground. That's the last thing he wants. <laughs> um, so anyway, oh, and another funny incident later on in the fight, right? Hernandez... Um, had been dicking about doing more of this nonsense, <laughs> right? And then, anyway, <laughs> he ends up, he caught Paez with a slightly low shot, right? Just slightly below the belt line. Yeah. Paez, quick as a flash, mocking gesture, puts his hands down on his crotch, starts doing the old shuffling <laughs> the legs and pretending to like almost cry in a really mocking gesture, like just going, oh, like that, and then just straight back to the <laughs> And the crowd were loving it. Just like, look, mate, you don't see me doing this, you prick. And, uh, yeah, anyway, showing a, showing a bit of a spark of the old man in him there. I like that. Um, but uh, I won't waste too much more time. I'll tell you how it ended. And it ended with Pires landing a pretty soft uppercut in round seven, right, Hernandez seemed okay. Yeah. But he turned his back on Pires, fell to the floor, over into one of the corners, and just started running around. Pires turned around, looked at the ref, the two of them just looking at each other confused. The ref walks up over to Hernandez on the floor. Hernandez looks up to him, like waiting for a count, and the ref just goes, nah, I'm <laughs> Just call it up. It was clear it was fine. The ref was like, I've had enough of you. You are such a dickhead. <laughs> Just waved it off. And then, to make it worse, Ivan... He stood up and he he just waved his hands in this like utter disgust and walked around the ring sulking like a teenage child. It was it was so bizarre and just a ref was like just everyone's like mate why did you come in what what happened to you if at any stage someone turns around and goes why did you become a professional boxer yeah. why did you like this would be the top Listen, of living that'd be or maybe I don't sign. know you never know maybe something happened like have you ever seen the film Vice Versa. And after <laughs> the second round, he accidentally had his mind transplanted with like a, an angsty twelve-year-old teenage child. Maybe nightmarish. <laughs> Honestly, the, the, the behaviour was more like something you'd see from a Spanish footballer in La Liga. Absolute nonsense. And that about wraps it up. But yeah. the reviews. It's a long one, that one, isn't it? So uh, we're into the. Uh... Next part of the show, so a fan's favourite, I'll suggest, though it's uh, Didn't You Used to Be a Boxer. Yeah. And uh, I guess for the last, I don't know, last like three or four shows, we kind of went a bit uh, off topic. This time, we've got an absolute living legend. He's not dead. He's not from 60 years ago. This guy is going strong. Okay, uh, so for this week, we've got a fellow called Ike Ibekbuchi. I Ibekbuchi. Do you know who this guy is? 
Um, I must confess, I don't. Okay, um, during the kind of 1990s, he was like a legitimate uh, heavyweight, absolutely kind of superstar in the making. Right. So anyway, he's, uh, his story is born in Nigeria, 1973. He was, uh, again, like a legit kind of superstar. Defeated a prime David the Chew... <laughs> sorry, the Chewminator Chua. Oh, okay. Defeated like a cr- uh, prime uh, Chris uh, Bird. Anyway, got a record of like 20-0, 15 uh, knockouts. He's like a big, massive guy. He's like six foot two, weighed about 240 pounds, ripped, kind of ripped muscle. Anyway, so his story is that he grew up in uh, Nigeria and um, he'd planned on kind of moving into like the Nigerian military. Oh, right, as you do. As you do. And then in 1990s, he was like 17 at the time, he sees Buster Douglas knock out Mike Tyson. Thinks I'll have a bit of that. He says, oh, yes. <laughs> That's the game for me. <laughs> Literally, at 17, turns, goes to boxing. So, um, it gets to 1993. He him and his mum left Nigeria, emigrated all the way to Dallas, and um, within, like, a year, he'd won the kind of Dallas Golden Gloves uh, tournament. Oh, wow. The same year, age 21. A year? He'd never... That's impressive. He'd been boxing for three years, but he's, like, a big, oh, okay, okay, right, big massive right. guy. Anyway, gets to age 21 and decides, goes pro. And um, he goes on to win his first 16 straight fights, mainly against kind of club fighters, journeymen, that type yeah. of thing. But anyway, with the first uh, 16, most of them by a uh, knockout. And then in 1997, he goes on to fight David Chua. Right. And this is, again, like a prime Chua. So Chua right, at this stage yeah, was like yeah. 27 and 0. Is he, it Chua or Tua? I say Chua. Oh, and no, if he says different, that. I'll meet him in a street. And <laughs> 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 right. Braver man than me. And uh, so Chu at this stage is uh, 27 no. And uh, again, being touted like the next Tyson, like the next big star. Anyway, this fight, if, for any of like, listeners at home, if you haven't seen this, again, uh, type in Ike Ibid Bucci versus David Chua. And this is just uh, like an incredible, incredible, incredible heavyweight fight. They set the record for like the amount of punches thrown. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. So uh, Ike. Through he's like throwing like ninety punches around, which on average for like a heavyweight fight is maybe if it, if you throw a lot, maybe throw 40, 50. This guy throw ninety, just a back and forth throw, uh, war. Like the Hagler hands of yeah, it's like it's impossible to knock out David Chua and especially a prime Chua. So um, anyway, he they go into this big massive uh, war, bombs being thrown left, right, and center. I takes it on uh, decision, so uh, like a fairly not like a massive wide margin, but he wins the fight. Yeah, and. Uh, this, like, at this stage, so he's coming out, he's like 19 no, beaten up a real, like, a prime up and come, yeah, yeah absolutely, like, uh, contender. Anyway, this, sadly, is where the trouble first begins. So, uh, immediately after the fight with uh, Chua, he starts complaining about it. he's getting these, like, terrible, like, really, really bad headaches. He gets taken to a uh, hospital, goes in to meet the doctors, and they say, listen, check you out, we've given you all the kind of scans we can do. Nothing wrong, you're fine. He's got no like evidence of uh, kind of uh, brain swelling or brain right, uh, brain okay, bleeds. Yeah. Nothing wrong with him. They send him home with a clean bill of health. Ike at this stage swears that um, starts hearing demons. In his words, plagued by demons. So here he is hearing voices of well again demonic possession. He's like hearing real kind of voices in his head, like evil voices. At this stage, the only one who can hear this is him. And his mom that travelled over from Dallas with him. <clears throat> it's not a good sign. Okay, so in like a, a couple of months after they chew a fight, he, uh, he was... So his mom could hear it as well? They're the only two right. who could hear this. Well. It's not proof. It doesn't help. And uh, anyway, he says, anyway, so uh, 
he's at the time that he's a chewer. He's going out the girl, and um, they have like a couple of months kind of long relationship. He then because of the what he says is the kind of voices, voices yeah. drove him to this. He abducts the fifteen year old son of this woman, throws the kid in the car, and just goes right. You're coming with me. Takes off uh, down the road in his car. He drove for a couple of miles and then deliberately turned the car to one side and drove into like a big concrete pillar. Crashed in. The kid, so there was like a civil complaint put against him. And Well, that's not true. At first he was arrested for like a kidnapping and attempted murder. Yeah. The kid, and this is tragic, apparently in the kind of criminal uh, complaint that was put against uh, Ike later on said, listen, the kid is never going to walk properly again. Right. Yeah, completely tragic. That's terrible. Rather than being like uh, put in prison, what they said to him is, "Listen, it's, you, it was likely you were trying to commit suicide." So he pleads guilty to false imprisonment, and uh, he gets 120 days in prison. Right. And uh, gets like a half a million dollar lawsuit against him, which he pays out. Right. Again, like a tragic. At this stage, you might think, "Okay, right, you're hearing voice in your head. If you're his promoter, maybe you're his trainer." Perhaps boxing isn't for you. Clearly there's something that's happened in your psyche after having this incredible, vicious war with David Shewer. Sadly, this isn't how boxing works. And so, um, not that this is that, uh, this funny, but um, Ike then at this stage starts describing himself as being the president. This is the nickname he takes on, right. the president. So uh, he, he adopts this uh, nickname and then his psyche starts building up this kind of persona based on his nickname. And so it's all, he starts like ordering all these kind of lackeys about. He's he's waiting for kind of doors to be opened up for him. He right, sees himself okay. as the president, and uh, like hangers on. He makes them kind of bow to him, all this type of stuff. He refuses to attend weigh-ins because he sees it as being just beneath him. And his handlers at the time, rather than saying, "When well, you clearly need significant medical attention," yeah. what they did would, would they turn around to him and say they would appeal to like the being the president, that did appeal to his kind of regal nature and say, listen, it's the noble thing for you to do is try and get your way in. And so then you kind of show up. Oh, so kind right. of, Yeah, playing oh, the kind of side That's piece. never good, is it? Never good at all. And so uh, Lou DiBello, uh, sorry, oh, Lou yeah. DiBello, he is uh, the kind of boxing promoter who's uh, linked with uh, Ike at this stage, said, and this is a quote from me, he said, there were times when he, Ike, thought he was the real president. He would get into these mental states where he insisted on people calling him by his nickname. It was his alter ego, where I am the president was not just the president of the United States, it was the president of the entire world. Well, it's, yeah, it's disturbing that. He's not the first boxer to have similar situations. and Sadly not. <clears throat> so his, uh, his actual promoter at the time was this uh, fellow called uh, Cedric Kushner, and he said... Like, in a couple of uh, occasions, he literally had to drag this guy, Ike, like, onto a plane. Because uh, Ike would get up to the door and say, listen, I'm not getting on. This uh, airplane is possessed by demonic demons, and I am not setting foot on. So this guy would have to drag him on. And was he allowed to continue to box? Isn't this the question? There's the moral of this guy's story. I would say, for all the listeners at home, this isn't particularly funny, but um, sadly, this is like the story of the guy's life. I said, well, the way Kushner described it as, it was like living with a Viking. Don't know what that means. No. But like living with a Viking. And uh, he described the story of, uh, again, this is Kushner, the uh, promoter at the time. And he says, we were having a fine meal at a nice restaurant. So um, at this stage, they were trying to set up like a HBO deal. Because right. this guy's coming up, he's like a big heavyweight contender, he's knocking everyone out. Yeah. 
go to a nice restaurant. And he said, uh, midway uh, through the course, I picked up a carving knife, slammed it into the table and screamed, they knew it, they knew it, the bells belong to me. Why don't you give them back? Those people at HBO are sitting at this table. This guy stands up. The bells belong to me. Yeah. They look at him and go, well, I have no idea what's going on. This guy is... Clearly, this guy is a man who needs medical yeah, attention. Yeah, yeah. But this is boxing, so none of that really applies. People just want to make money, do they, out of him? So uh, he takes, like, a year off, and then he comes up against it. This one he fights Chris Bird. So he takes, like, maybe, like, a year, year and a half off. And uh, Chris Bird... So, so I guess for anyone to who doesn't know, Chris Bird was like an Olympic silver medalist back in 1992 and went on to be held like a version of the heavyweight uh, belt. And so he was like a quick and slick southpaw. At this stage, when I fought him, it, uh, uh, Bird had a record of like 26-0. They fight four rounds and then it comes to round five and it's like fairly close. And then like just unleashes like a big absolute haymaker, puts Bird down and then storms all over him. Where's the fight? Stop. Oh, right. For a minute, I thought you meant, like, walks on him while he's down. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 not like that. And, uh, anyway, so at this stage, you're thinking, this is clearly a man who, one, should not be a professional boxer at this stage, should really be in seeking, like, a proper medical attention. And so yeah, this but, is, like, 1999. Yeah, but there's not much medical attention you can do when you're... When... When you're possessed by demonic demons. It doesn't help. Especially when they come from another country. Well, yeah. <laughs> if you had a voodoo hex pot and you're out in Nigeria, mate. Doesn't help. If it's, if it's travelled all the way over to America with you, that's a persistent... And, uh, OK, so it comes to July 1999, and uh, he's in uh, Las Vegas in the Mirage Hotel. And uh, as you do, as people do when they go into the Mirage, phones up like a local escort agency. Oh, yeah. And says, can you please send me a human being to my room so I can do whatever it is hu- I want to do. 21-year-old girl shows up and um, I turn around to her and just tells her to strip. Right, okay. Probably looking for more demons, I'd imagine. <laughs> Making sure she wasn't concealing any... Anyway, she turns around to him and says, listen, you're going to have to pay me up front. And he goes, nuts. Just goes crazy and just, I'm not paying you up front. Whatever happened. Anyway, they had like a, we'll say an altercation between themselves. Okay. The people in the adjoining room just called security and said, all right, get the police down here. The policeman who showed up at the time said, we arrived, and his quote is, a woman, naked from the waist down, just came, like, tearing, running out of this room. Right. They bump into her. They then, like, go up to the hotel door and start banging on Ike, as you might imagine, is, like, a, a bit not himself at the time. He storms into the bathroom, just locks himself in. Police kick open the door, start shooting pepper spray underneath, making him surrender. Right. And, um, so, obviously, this guy's... The question might be at this stage, why is he so worried? Basically, it turns out that like eight months before, he'd been, he wasn't arrested, he wasn't convicted, but there were charges against him at the time of maybe some other kind of sexual assault. Right. Eight months okay. earlier, in like the same hotel. And um, anyway, he gets released on bail. And so he gets like charged, gets brought in, gets released on bail. He goes out and then he's placed under like house arrest. But house arrest in the US means you're still able to train, you're still able to go out until his trial comes yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. So he's, but at this stage, they do, do a bit more kind of evidence and kind of searching against him. And I guess this is tragic, but two more kind of sexual assault cases come up against this guy. So um, he then gets uh, like put on a trial and they uh, bring a case against him. It took until 2001. Again, what I find bizarre about this guy's story is, one, the question of how is it possible that that human being was led to box? 
Yeah, people make money, mate. At the uh, court case in 2001, they had medical experts come out and say, this guy is like a <clears throat> definitive bipolar disorder. Right, yeah. So the grant, uh, the judge at the time granted him uh, permission to kind of, for, is the term is a force mediate. So put the case away to say that, listen, this guy can't serve proper time. He's not uh, mentally competent to stand trial for yeah. what he's accused of. Yeah. Two and a half years goes by. And then the judge says, now you're capable. Now you're competent enough to stand trial. Right. So after his uh, kind of first charges, two and a half years goes by, the judge says, okay, we're going to bring the course against okay. you. That's in 2001. Right. right. Fast forward to 2013, because that guy has been in jail for the last, what, now, 12 years. Yeah. And um, so basically he's serving at the moment. Uh, he got, the sentence against him was, a, I guess, a two to ten year sentence. And then thrown on top of that was another, like, three to 20 year sentence. So right. basically it means that this guy's going to be in jail for, like, 20 years. So he went into prison when he was, like, 26. And, um... Or something close to that. And uh, since he's uh, been in prison, again, it's like a tragic story. Someone where you think they're not compass mentalist enough to actually stand trial in the first place. Yeah. But have been uh, convicted of trying, uh, crimes. Now he's 40 years old. If he does come out, and his last parole hearing was in May of this year. Yeah. If he does get released, based on what the uh, uh, legal authorities in the States have said, if he does come out, when and if he does... But when he does, this guy's getting deported back to Nigeria. Right. Which he hasn't been in since he was like 16 years old. Anyway, I'll give you like his last um, uh, quote. He says, and this is from uh, Ike, when someone interviewed him about uh, a couple of years ago, and he said, my life, even in prison, depicts a life that has been lived by many in biblical times. I see myself like Daniel in the lion's den. I see myself like Samson, who saw wisdom and humility when, I, when the eyes of others were gone. I see myself like Moses, who ruled the scorpions and who ruled the snakes on the des- in the desert. I could go on and on and on. I bet I reckon he could, man. <laughs> <laughs> that guy, it's a uh... bit of a crackpot. I mean, again, what's he doing now? Well, yeah, sadly, he's in prison. If you want to, you can write this guy letters. But it's one of those... I doubt I've seen a life that's more steeped in tragedy yeah. than someone who has a terrible war with another human being, should never have been allowed to box again, and then ends up spending like 13 years in prison for... Apparently, while he's been there, he's learned like a couple of like degrees from a couple of universities right. while he's been inside. But it's clearly someone who... Yeah. I mean, as awful as maybe the crimes he committed were, but it's... That yeah. is... Uh, I'd like to anyway know, wrap up the show. Great stuff. A... Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> okay, so we're going to quickly uh, talk about the upcoming fights. There's not many. There's not much of a year left, is there? But barely any. I think one of the fights that has me really excited about is uh, this coming weekend. Is Adrian Broner against Marcus Maidana from oh, yeah, Argentina? Yeah. I think this is going to be very interesting. Madonna's obviously proven well to wait. He's fought some real top-level fighters over the years. He also what may be described as the world's biggest shithead. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Horrible human being. Well, yeah, he's definitely definitely annoying. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a fan. But Madonna, he has one of the best KO records going at the moment. 30, yep. 34 wins, 31 KOs. That is pretty... Especially pretty. at that level. Down there, you know, it's not like a heavyweight where you can be Deontay Wilder and fight a load Clubber of... Clubber Lang-like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Smash everyone out of the um, So, yeah. Anyway, then you have you have Broner, who um, 
who seems to have some some pretty good skill and you know a lot of promise. I look at him and I always find it's kind of hard. I find it hard to judge just how good he is because he obviously had bags of confidence and talks <laughs> talks himself up a fair old bit. And he does look amazing in fights, but they're often against people who maybe aren't the top level guys. And are for you, example, are you Paulie, suggesting that Paulie Malinaji is not? He, I didn't think he looked good. He's not the greatest fighter in the last. I think, I think Brona, years of boxing. Well, I thought Brono took it, but I didn't think he looked good. And Paulie's a tricky person to fight, but he made Brona look look. Not that, not great, yeah. Not a mate, not like some of his other fights when you've seen him fought and he looks brilliant. And I just think I'm not sure Broner's ever fought anybody quite like Madonna. Madonna is one of the king of the pressure fighters, constantly on you, cutting off a ring. He's got good power, can hit with either hand, knows how to go to the body, got a good a good chin. I know Broner has has a good chin. If you're good enough to and take power, Americana the distance. I don't, I said that like a bit. Um... Stupidly, but if you're good enough to no, actually take no, him the definitely. distance, generally, yeah, you don't have to be. Yeah, and that would, you know, the other thing is, has Broner's moved up quite a, quite a lot of weight levels very quickly. Yeah, all he's come, he's come flying, flying up from, you know, his last fight was uh, Malinaji at, at welterweight, the feather-handed speed. Yeah, and I think that I think he jumped. Did he jump two weight classes there? I think no, he went straight from lightweight to welterweight. Um, and the other thing to point out is we all know how tricky a fighter is, how good um, Paulie is, but he, we know he doesn't have the, the most power. So you're yeah. stepping up, and he hasn't faced anybody at that higher level who can bang. And you have to give a guy credit for that. As okay. I say, he's not lacking in confidence, but I, you've got to take your hat off. Broner could have quite easily taken a couple of other easier fights just to find his feet at that weight level and come through, but... Is he that type of personality? I'll ask you this way. Is he that type of personality where he's so abrasive and he calls out pretty much everyone that's on that kind of, uh, like, welterweight uh, kind of division, that if you come up against someone, it's almost like he had to take the Madonna fight? Because Madonna yeah, said, I maybe. will absolutely knock you out. Yeah. So he came up against somebody who was like, listen, you can't, you're not actually better than me. I can absolutely kick your ass. Yeah, I, I as I say, I'm really looking forward to it. And do you know what? In a, I think it's a it's a bit of a fifty fifty. I think potentially Adrian he has the boxing skill. He certainly has exhibited dimensions to his game where he can get a decision. Whereas, you know, I'm just it's going to be interesting to see how he deals with the amount of pressure that Madonna's going to apply. How he's going to take some of the big shots. How he's going to mentally react. I think it's it's definitely possible. I'll but... definitely put it this way. If he does win, and I agree, it's... I wouldn't say quite 50-50, but he's probably, like, a bit... He's slightly the favourite. But if he does you win... Do you think Broner's the favourite? I do, yeah? yeah. Okay. But if he does, that is a, a massive, massive name. That's like a Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Man, and like I will... Guy. That will be the... F- yeah. I think I think that's a great name for him to do, and that's why you've got to give a guy respect. And, you know, win, lose, or draw, you're going to find out a lot about the guy. Um... And we'll find out if his defence and his ring generalship are nec- are as good as he thinks they are. Because uh, he maybe, thinks maybe they, they are, are real good. <laughs> real good. But, um, yeah, that to look forward to. Another one, we've got Kevin Mitchell. He's fighting B. Zamora. And I know what you're thinking. No, it's not Bobby Zamora. <laughs> in, in the, fu- the former Fulham legend. Former West Ham legend. Then he went to Fulham. And we all know but Kevin. Both. Kevin's up. He's an iron, isn't he? He's a proper West Ham fan. West Ham boy. Um, so uh, yeah, no, they, he's fighting uh, 
brunette uh, Zamora, I believe. Um, so, yeah. I'll say only luck. after Bobby Moore. He, is mean? he the only West Ham Bobby. player who's... Called Bobby? Who's Moore. <laughs> Why are you cutting this? <laughs> that's a... Oh, that's a really a... good joke. Lined up oh, okay. and just absolutely ruined Save it. it next week, mate. <laughs> uh, and finally, worth mentioning, I think, Roy Jones Jr. Y'all must have forgot. He's stepping back into the ring. 21st December. Unfortunately, it's not against the Celtic warrior. Steve, Steve Collins. Collins. Not against him. He's fighting a cruiserweight and he's fighting a guy called uh, Zayn... Uh, hang on. Ben, <laughs> ben Makoholov. Why is Roy Jones Jr. coming back People must have forgot. <laughs> I must have forgot. <laughs> anyway, so they're, they're probably the only... Um, the two biggins. Well, add Kevin in there, Roy Jones, Kevin Mitchell, and uh, Adrian Broner versus Madonna. They are, yeah. One thing's for sure. A good weekend. I've ordered my uh, Argentina flag on Amazon. That'll be flying sky high. <laughs> this Second weekend. Only after my West Ham flag. Yeah, no, I'm, defi- I'm definitely, I'm definitely, um, I'm definitely going to be supporting Madonna in that. And I, I'll be honest. I hope he knocks him spark out yeah, so however if he does I will take my hat off if Broner comes through um, you've you got to give the guy absolutely. respect for taking I'll say to all the um, West Ham fans listening the joke I was trying to make was obviously Kevin Mitchell is absolutely the greatest ambassador since for West Ham since the legendary what Oh, the Bobby Moore thing. Bobby Moore. Oh, yeah, you didn't even get close to that, mate. A million no. miles away. It wasn't, it wasn't even a joke. Even if you said that, it's not even a joke, really. I mean, but I understood where you're coming from. It wasn't from. funny in the West Ham sense. I think it was what it needed saying, though. There's <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about that. Kevin will appreciate it. You know, he's, he'll like it. <laughs> OK, little Christmas jingle there to, to just... The dichotomy between tragedy yeah. and... I don't know what dichotomy means, mate. Like what? It's nice. <laughs> OK, uh, yeah. But, um, Can I say, I hope everyone's been drinking along at home. Because uh, of course they will have. It's probably, Christmas. You know, we've been pounding this. We've made, we've made an executive decision. There's a bit of bad news and a bit of good news. Yeah, go on. Uh, it's mainly good news. But we promised you Roberto was back and... What has happened is uh, we've actually badly overrun on this show. So what we've decided to do is save Roberto's letter or advice to one of our listeners' letters, emails, and we are going to do a, a proper Christmas special. Crimbo. Where we get Thanks. proper drunk on it. <laughs> <laughs> None of this half-hearted shit from me. You've been, you've been going oh, strong. I'll be flying. Um, we'll do that next week. Um, and that'll be our famous yeah. drink along show. Oh yeah, and we'll we'll do something on that where basically oh, yeah. if you're going to listen, you have to drink with us. Pssh. And if you're not, if if you can't drink, save it. Download the show, keep it keep it on ice. Do it Christmas Day with the family. Get all the <laughs> family rounds. Come on, get all the little ones in. They got to start at some point. Unless of course you're Muslim or for any religious beliefs. If you don't believe in alcohol, fair play. <laughs> don't don't touch your stuff. I don't want to. I don't want to tempt anybody into that. Fair enough. Shall we, uh, shall we round the show off? Yeah. Have you got any recommendations? I'll give you. Um, I'll give you one. I was gonna. I'll save that uh, other one till next week. But um, what's a good recommendation? We did uh, Rock Newman. Oh last yeah, week yeah, week yeah. Before. I've noticed you got down there written uh, Roy Keane versus Vieira on ITV Player. That sounds like a better recommendation. That is a good. Because I heard that of somebody else said that Roy Keane comes across 
fantastic. Okay, so no one knows what we're talking about. That uh, Roy Keane, he was a footballer during the kind of mid nineties and late uh, early two thousands. And uh, anyway, Patrick Vieira was his big rival of the opposite team. Anyway, they have a TV show or a documentary about the pair of them on ITV. And you can look this up. Just type in like ITV player Keane or Vieira. <laughs> look this up and see it. And uh, but it's a, a fantastically entertaining hour I TV. I haven't watched that. I'm looking forward to that. But uh, I'm going to round this off with a quote from uh, Roy Keane. Okay. Which we're all massive fans of. Do you want to say we'll give out the Twitter stuff and then end it on that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you do you remember? So uh, what our what Twitter, are our Twitter details? Like <laughs> <laughs> me. Uh, don't worry, we haven't got the Twitter details, but Garrett has passed me uh, Sergey uh, Kovalev's record. If you want to know what his past four fights were, they were up against no. All right, all right. The Twitter details are um, so grab us on Twitter at twitter.com punch drunk pod. Yeah. Or email at punchdrunkboxingpodcast yeah. at gmail.com. And well, I, I can give you your Christmas presents as well. <laughs> you shouldn't drink. <laughs> what are you show. talking about? Right, I'm drink. starting to come around now. <laughs> can we do another hour and 40 minutes? All right, we're going to round this off. Yeah. Right, we'll round this off with a, a quote from Roy Keane to uh, Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah. And uh, on Christmas Eve, as you're going to bed, just remember, just remember this. That uh, to Mick McCarthy is from Roy Keane. Ah, oh, we've and always used this quote. Who do you think you are having meetings about me? You're a crap player and you're a crap manager. The only reasons I have dealings with you is because you somehow are a manager of my country and you're not even Irish, you English. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I, I, I prefer the one where he turns around to him and he says, stick it in your bollocks, you're not even Irish. <laughs> <laughs> that's always, that's a way. phrase I use a lot. People look at me very strangely when I say, stick it in your bollocks. I use it when people give me the wrong change. Stick it in your bollocks, mate. <laughs> nice. There's another <laughs> tip for listeners. Anybody gives you the wrong change, turn to stick it in their bollocks. <laughs> right, we'll see you next week. All right, nice one. Peace. Bye. Bye.